Tyler? Oh, hey, you're awake. Yeah, I, I had the craziest dream. Yeah, you were out for like six hours. There was, there was a pandemic and protests, and I hadn't even podcasted in like a year. <laughs> well, don't worry about it. You're back in good old 2020. Shit. I am Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan, and I demand that you listen to Sketch Watch Play, a pop culture podcast every four weeks talking movies, TV, cartoons, video games, and everything that comes with that. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and most third-party podcast apps and directories. If you want to send us feedback or topic suggestions, you can email us at sketchwatchplay at gmail.com. And if you enjoy what you hear, you can support the show both by leaving positive reviews on iTunes or supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash behind. That's B-E-H-O-N. Pledges of $3 and up will get early access to future episodes. I'm John Flurry, and as both everyone and myself can tell from that opening, I'm happy to be joined again by fellow podcaster, movie lover, and actor Tyler Moliterno. Tyler, how are you? I'm good. How are you? It, I'm doing all right. It's, it's been a hot minute, yeah. I guess, for everybody, every guest but Patrick at this point. I'm slowly <laughs> getting the band back together. Uh, if, I get, if I get Felipe and Chris, we'll have, I think, our most frequent uh, collaborators. So mm-hmm. we'll see. What, but nothing's set in stone yet. But yeah, it's you've been you've been continuing podcasting I'm, and, and various projects. So like, what have, for, for our listeners, what have you currently uh, been up to either, you know, like, wh- what's your personal project and work stuff going on, like, during the pandemic or otherwise? Yeah, uh, I feel like I've, I've kind of ramped up a lot of podcasting things recently. Because uh, it's been a lot easier to do. Uh, so we have, uh, I have Generation Animation, obviously, with Felipe and Dave and, and Mark and Bianca, which we've been doing, you know. I have to say, we that show's been on. I think we're coming up on our five year anniversary, or yeah. Six, and how many know. hundreds of episodes have you reached by now? Because you've been so consistent. I think we just did episode four hundred. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, so it's Congrats. it's pretty crazy. Because <laughs> uh, that show, we we're really good about consistently having yeah. like a new episode every week. So we're pretty good about that. So it's a lot of episodes and a, a lot of things that we've talked about. So uh, all kinds of cartoon stuff like that, uh, obviously. That's where we we go and talk about that. Um, I got to say that a a recent highlight, I believe it was your pick. I never would have expected someone to pick it, but you picked the Mighty Ducks cartoon. Yeah. (laughs) And that was a hilarious episode. Uh, Just you talking about the stuff that made you laugh in it, where Bianca was like just not – Bianca Felipe were like not having it and uh, like this this, tangent about like sports negotiations and – I it almost made me want to watch that show. Keyword being almost, but it's a very yeah. Interesting I had a lot of fun with that show. Yeah. I I enjoyed it. I I took it for what it was, and uh, I think I think everybody else kind of decided they didn't like it before it started. But that's okay because I I had a fun time and the conversation was really good, and that's what matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, obviously, yep. Janet is an ongoing uh, project. It's mm-hmm. been ongoing since before Sketch Watch Play started, and. Uh, if you're a new listener and you're not familiar with it, I have I definitely recommend you go and listen to it. And real quick, did you listen to our previous episode about Donkey Kong? Oh no! Did you uh, talk about the game? We we mainly talked about the games, but we also talked about the cartoon. <laughs> and I inserted a clip of when uh, you guys reviewed it, and something about the idea of BlusterCon like made you snap. You just went off on this <laughs> diatribe, like "fuck his face, fuck his mustache, fuck his design," and that was one of the worst looking things I've ever it's, seen. It's, yeah, it's it's ugly, and it's, there's not a lot of growth beyond that. But um, 
Well, obviously, so Gen Ends continues to be a thing. Uh, but anything else that I, – because I, kn- I know there's at least one other podcast. Yeah, I have a couple of other podcasts. So I also have a show called uh, Silver Screen Breakdown with my friend Zach Kindren. We mm-hmm. usually – that show we started back in like I think 2017 and it was mostly a show where we, we would talk about new movies and news in the box office. And uh, because of the pandemic, we changed it into doing like fun double features and stuff like that. So each week we talk about – Two movies, and we kind of talk about why we've put them together. They usually share something. Yeah, um, I was, was going to say, I admit I, yeah. I haven't listened to it recently, but I was wondering what you were doing with format with fewer movies coming out, like not just in theaters, yeah. but in general. That sounds like we've a really done, idea. Yeah, we've done stuff like Jurassic Park and Jaws. Nice. Uh, we just, our newest episode is uh, The Raid Redemption and Dread. Uh, we did uh, Walk Hard and Popstar as a pairing. Uh, oh, those just all those make episodes. sense as pairings. Yeah, they they like work great as double features, and then we get into like all of the ways that they're connected, and there's a lot of really crazy ways, um, ones that are are totally expected. Like obviously Spielberg did both Jaws and Jurassic Park, um, but then you have the fact that like like despite the fact that they're so similar, you have something like uh, Walk Hard and Popstar that have all of these famous cameos from real artists and people playing fame or fictional artists and stuff like that. And all these SNL connections and stuff like that. And yet the only person who is in both movies is Tim Meadow. <laughs> he's the, There's not he's a the single key. other, other person who is in both. <laughs> he's the key to it all. Tim Meadows. Yeah. Who knew? So we had a fun, a lot of fun with that. And then we're actually just, we, we just started a project. I have one other podcast to talk about, but I'm since we're talking about. Yeah. Did you say you have one other podcast going on? Yeah, I also have another podcast I do with uh, my sister and a friend of ours named Quinn, uh, where typically it started, it's called Snuff, the Survivor podcast. We usually talk about the show Survivor, but because Survivor uh, is not currently in production, we have changed uh, temporarily to Stuffed, uh, and we talk about the Mass Singer. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we've been doing a Mass Singer podcast, which is a lot of fun. So yeah, I would recommend people check those out because it's uh, a lot of fun. Do Do you do guesses on identities? Yeah, we have, basically have you correctly guessed anyone. Um, well, unfortunately, I guessed one the same night that somebody was revealed because they do one every single night. So uh, there was somebody who was revealed, and like right before they were revealed, I was able to guess it, but we weren't able to discuss it on the podcast. Uh, but, who was it, by the way? Uh, Mickey Rourke. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was something that I I found one clue, and it was enough for me to. To put everything together, but it's a lot of it's fun. It's it's speculation. It's us sitting around talking. Yeah, there sometimes is... we're wildly wrong. Sometimes we 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 get on a thread, and a lot of the clues make sense. Uh, we actually have the the most latest episode. Somebody got revealed, and we were really positive about who we thought it was, and we were completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, that show's gimmick seems to have like given it like such an active community because it kind of encourages participation and and speculation. Yeah, and then also just like what we do, with, what we do with Survivor and the fun format of that show is essentially on the first episode before the show, before the season starts, we look at all the participants in the season and we uh, go around and do like a snake order fantasy draft and draft who we think is going to win the show. So we did that. We always do that with Survivor, and we we did it with Matt Singer this year. So it was like let's um based solely on their costume designs and literally knowing nothing else about these people because huh. we haven't heard them sing yet let's try to draft our team of <laughs> you who do we it before think we'll they win. sing yeah so we don't even know and then uh now we're like uh you know we have people that we're rooting for and um 
it, it's really fun to try to figure out who they are every week. So uh, it's been a blast. That sounds like a lot of fun. I mm-hmm. may have seen that one as well. So we have Jen Ann, we have uh, Silver Screen Breakdown, and what was the th- name of the third one? Uh, snuffed, a Survivor podcast, or Stuffed. Stuffed, uh, or Stuffed. Singer podcast. But I think it's, nice. if you if you look for Snuffed, you'll... Okay, I guess that's where the, that's the easiest way to get the full on, archive on of your it. podcasting up. Yeah. All right. So, listeners, if you want to hear more of Tyler, and you, if this is your first time listening to him, then, uh, well, one, go back to our uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe episodes and Avengers Infinity War and Endgame episodes. Uh, speaking of Endgame, from an earlier conversation, we might you might hear some comparisons in this episode because we're going to talk a movie mm-hmm. that likely inspired a big portion of it. But before we get to that, I will say this kind of the theme of this inadvertently is '80s time travel franchises. But uh, unlike what we're talking right now, there's another one that had two entries rather than three, except now there is a third, and it is very recent. It is it is a 2020 movie. It has gotten a revival. And Tyler, tell me, what is the deal with Bill and Ted Face the Music? Dude, we better write that song now. Or why can't we just go to the future when we have written it and take it from ourselves? Except, won't that be stealing? Cheers! <laughs> How is that stealing? We're stealing it from ourselves, dude. Yeah. So the Bill and Ted franchise, like you mentioned, classic 80s time travel franchise. And I'm glad we get to talk about this because, first of all, I I adored this movie. I thought it was so good. Yeah, I'm hearing su- surprisingly thing that, good things. Really this, isn't about even, this isn't even a slam on the old movies because I – full disclosure, I saw the first one once when I was like 12. I don't remember anything about it, and I've never seen <laughs> – rewatched it or seen Bogus Journey. So it's not really – a franchise. I, I've been meaning to get to it someday. Now, were you, when they, this is a, a movie that they've been wanting to do for a long time. Like, both Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves were totally up for it whenever they, whenever things worked out. Whenever, the, you know, not just that Keanu was, wasn't busy with other movies, but that, you know, all the pieces were in place, because it's not just him. Um, were you skeptical when this was finally announced, or were you hopeful? How much I had honestly been thinking about the Bill and Ted franchise when this was announced because this wasn't something that like I I think I had only up until recently I had maybe seen Bogus Journey when I was really young and didn't really remember it and then I saw Excellent Adventure in theaters when um, there was a late shift the theater that does the 12 hour horror movie marathon the Capitol Theater in Cleveland uh, showed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure so I got to see it for the first time and I really enjoyed it a lot. And then we, and then I just like, I kind of didn't really think about the franchise too much. And then uh, they announced that this was happening. And by this point, you know, Keanu Reeves has kind of like earned another like tier of legend to it. Yeah. <laughs> like he kind of keeps going up. The Keanu Sans. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, Cyberpunk is out real soon. Yeah, exactly. Like, Patrick's he's just really everywhere, tough. and people are loving it. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, the, yeah, the, yeah, he's everywhere. <laughs> like, he's in video games now, too. Yeah, it's well, crazy. there was a long period where he wasn't. You, remember that? Like, he mm-hmm. did that He did that Day Goes to Still remake that people didn't like, and then he just kind of went indie for a while. He wasn't – he was doing more behind-the-scenes stuff, but then John Wick happened, and all of a sudden, boom, he's on everybody's minds again. And that, that franchise is just so good. I love those John Wick yeah, movies. Yeah. Um, and so apparently the the reason this movie happened was because um, because of Steven Soderbergh actually really? was the one who put the money behind it and got everybody back together. I don't remember 
how it started, but I think he um, he was one of the reasons why they ended up doing it because he was like he was willing to let's produce get and yeah let's get in, let's get everybody together and everybody everybody involved in those original movies wanted to do it the writers and uh, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winters were like yeah, yeah let's do it so once they had the money to do it they they went for it that's cool and it, I, it was the perfect I think movie for for right now it that's what i'm hearing really good that's what i'm hearing um both that it's it's kind of good comfort food right now with a positive mm-hmm. message uh but honestly i'm just uh, i agree with that but i'm also just like how often do we get these like these decades later revivals that kind of people generally feel actually do live up to what you're hoping for with that like i kind of it kind of sounds like the, what i heard the same about uh the third bad boy it's like oh this is actually still good they made it work decades later Hello? Can you repeat your last sentence? You cut out. Tyler, hello? Are you there? No, oh, I hear you now. Repeat again. Ah, oh, dang it. I uh is there anything? Hear me? Me? I you're you're I heard the can you hear me? Are you uh, oh, just... okay. I can hear you again. Okay, I'm sorry. Just can you repeat what the last sentence you had was? Yeah, uh, Creed too is another one that is uh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. really good sequel, kind of like continuation of a franchise years later. Yeah, it's not impossible. It's just rare. Yeah. Oh, and Mad Max. Yeah, Fury yeah, it's another one. Yeah, that, that I guess that one's the exception because that one's a re- basically a reboot, but still it's a revival. That I, I guess you can count both revival and direct sequel. Well, it's, I don't think it's a. It's in the same continuity as the other movies too. It is. Yeah. Oh, pa- my Patrick told me that there was stuff about Max's backstory that was different, but I, I haven't seen the older ones, so I can't say. But yeah, it, it's possible. It's just rare, but I'm glad when it happens because – so what- – I think it's just – it's not that his backstory is different. I think that they – there is stuff that has happened that they kind of alluded to that was not in any other movies. Okay. So – Yeah. Who knows? But I think if you ask – if you ask uh, – George Miller? Miller. Yeah, I think he would say that it's still in the con- – this okay. continuity. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still, it's, uh, there's a lot of really fun ones like this. And, and I think this is just like a really good, like feel good movie, I think. Yeah. So Tom, what, what are some things you want to say about it? Like what worked, what stuck out to you? Um, well, I think the, the big thing for me is that they, they do a good job of kind of tying aspects of both of the movies together and these kind of like parallel um storylines where you have like uh, essentially the idea is that uh bill and ted have continued to try and uh write this perfect song that was going to unite the world because they have these lofty expectations of their future based on their experiences in the past yeah i remember the end of the first movie alludes to that yeah, and there, there, that all of that stuff happens. Uh, all of the, all of the, the news clippings and stuff like that that they talked about happen, but they've like steadily fallen off. Uh, people aren't as big a fan of Bill and Ted as they were, or Wild Stallions, I should say, as they yeah. were. Aren't they like wedding singers at the beginning? I think they're they're performing in a very funny joke from the old movies. Um, uh, Missy is marrying. Uh, Ted's brother, I think. Mm. So that's like a joke is that they're at, they're performing at that wedding because he, every movie she marries a different person in their family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but they, uh, 
they they don't really have a lot of fans. They're still trying to do this. Um, but their daughters uh, still believe in them, and they find out that there's something new going on where um, all of existence is falling in on itself, and the only thing that can save it is a song supposedly written by them. And so in, in true Bill and Ted fashion, instead of tr- trying to write the song that they've been having so much uh, failure trying to do, they decide to, uh, to go ahead into the future and try to steal the song from their future <laughs> selves. And so it's uh, their, their kind of storyline is them going progressively further and further into the timeline and confronting future versions of themselves who are uh very wildly and um and how they're they're kind of doing and it's a fun comparison to like that that moment in the first bill and ted where they first meet the like future versions of themselves who have already started going on the adventure and then later in the second one they meet the like uh the evil robot versions of themselves uh their storyline kind of feels similar to that because they're going through all of this like um like all these different confrontations with different versions of themselves, which is a lot of fun. And then you have their daughters, um, one played by Samara Weaving and the other one played by Bridget Lundy Payne, um, who does a incredible Keanu Reeves in Bill and Ted impression. <laughs> uh, like I like Samara Weaving a lot, but Bridget Lundy Payne like nails the impression. Cause they sound Bill exactly still, like him. Cause I haven't watched it. Do Bill and Ted still talk the way they used to? Yeah, I, I, Keanu Reeves' voice is so much deeper than it was when he, when he did the original movies, yes, which is kind of bizarre. But but Alex Winters sounds exactly like um, he did when he was in the original movies. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, Bridget Lundy Payne just nails this impression of, of uh, Keanu. And uh, they essentially end up taking a different time machine. Bill and Ted take the original time machine uh, from the future and they take a future time machine and they decide to try to put a band together to back them for this song that they have to perform. Nice. Uh, so that's very much like the Excellent Adventure timeline where they go and they find all these musicians throughout time and convince them to like join a band together and then they all kind of converge at the end. Um, so there's still and, kind of a getting group together vibe. Yeah. And then not only do you have um, – you, they do bring back William Sadler as the Grim Reaper. They also introduce a character – uh, of a killer robot, Terminator-style robot from the future that the person in charge in the future, when they realize Bill and Ted have stolen the time machine, ah. um, they send this Terminator-like robot to uh, to kill them. And that's played by Anthony Kerrigan from uh, Barry and a bunch of other really great stuff. And he's absolutely incredible in this. And I don't want to give too much away about that character, but it's, it's one of the highlights of the movie. <laughs> oh, nice. Um... Yeah, and didn't I read that the character of Rufus, because George Carlin died, they do a daughter for him too or something like that? Yeah, um, his daughter in this movie is played by uh, Kristen Schaal. And a very cool detail is that, yeah, Kristen Schaal is, her character's name is Kelly. And that is George Carlin's daughter's actual name. So nice. That's very cool that they... uh, they tie that all together, and they also have a, a, a little vocal cameo from him at one point, which is nice. Hmm. Yeah, he's he was one of the things I remember from seeing the first one, uh, and I I I, I just think it's funny because George Carlin. I've seen some of his stand up, and he was hilarious. 
Uh, but me being a child of the early 90s, I'm like, oh, it's Mr. Conductor. <laughs> yeah. And it, that was a wake-up call when I saw what, like, how, what a sailor mouth he had. But uh, that was, he was a real talent. Yeah, I was I was in middle school, I think, when he passed away, and I remember basically like not knowing much about him at all when I was in middle school, and then hearing that he died, and he was such a prolific stand up, and yeah. then looking through and hearing all of these classic bits that he did, and just being like, "Wow, I can't believe how funny this guy is," and it sucks that I find out about him right when he dies. That happens with uh, comedians sometimes, like. Mm-hmm. Like I think Bill Hicks is a famous example because he he's another he's one who went kind of suddenly. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's sad, but it's always nice that you know these these things live on. I've been seeing more and more George Carlin clips. Yeah, I mean playing we, on Twitter throughout the years. I I mean the the day after I uploaded the last episode, uh, Chadwick Boseman's passing came out, and mm-hmm. obviously that was a huge loss. But I think it's been shining a spotlight on some of the cool stuff he did. Uh, yeah, you just keep hearing all of these amazing things about him that right, wasn't and, even something people were talking about when he was alive. Yeah, and just what a cool guy he seemed to be. So, pour one out for for T'Challa. Uh, mm. But anything else that you have have uh, want to bring up like about this movie, like aspects of it or qualities of it or your thoughts? I, I just think that it's a really fun, tidy other thing. I think there's a lot of really good performances in it from a lot of different people. Um, it's not like it's got a a lot of really subtle jokes um but it does in a weird way uh and a bit of a bummer way uh continues the the what is so cool about the bill and ted time travel aspect which is something i'll get into when we start talking about the back to the future time travel implications in a second but um it, it it essentially says like uh in the bill and ted universe uh time travel is something that is um, it's always happened, right? It's this like secular thing. And so it's one of those things where you kind of find out as it goes along, they keep trying to find this future versus themselves who've already accomplished all of their goals. Uh, but I think the lesson, and there's a really good end credit song too, that I think kind of, you know, ties this up too, is that uh, instead of trying to time travel to the future to find the answer sometimes you're you know you're you're you right where you have to be in order to you know to work take on care of your problems yeah that bill and ted being exactly where they are in that moment is the thing that needs to happen in order to save the world not trying to go to the future or trying to go to the past it's in the moment that they have to you know find this thing and um and and what that ties into in their relationship with their family and stuff like that it's a really cool message and then when the movie ends, you get there, there's just this really, really great end credit sequence that I think was definitely shot uh, post pandemic that really warmed my heart and made me feel really good walking out of the theater. So um, nice. Which, by the way, I saw this in a movie theater completely by myself. There's nobody else. There. Right, so right. It's not right. like it's not like I was in a huge theater. I, I live in a small town, and there's. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be on that ten. It's the biggest yeah. movie of of <laughs> what. 20 50 million or something uh, yeah i'm i'm lucky that because I, I i don't have to worry about a lot of people showing up at a movie theater in my town because we have a lot of movie theaters and not a lot of populations so yeah yeah and so i got lucky there until until there's a there's a vaccine i'm just gonna wait for vod and streaming for movies oh yeah absolutely but i will maybe i think actually this would give me good excuse to uh check out the original two movies while while i wait for this one to make it make it to home release uh but i yeah it sounds like this is 
I'm hearing, yeah, I've been hearing good things about it. I've been hearing uh, it's a worthy follow-up. It's a good, it's a good feel-good thing for the tough times right now. It's, and it's just cool to see these characters again. Because I, yeah, this was honestly something like, because like I said, they've been talking about this, doing this movie for like over a decade. And I was always like, no, they're not, that's not going to happen. That's, that's not going to, do you know how old those are? That's not going to happen. And they're like, oh, John, here you go. Yeah, um, they made it work. <laughs> yeah, and shout out to Alex Winter because though I'm not, like I said, not very familiar with the super with the, the super series with the uh, with the series as a whole. I have seen his maybe only major directorial movie, Freaked. Have you ever heard of that movie, Tyler? Hello, hello. I, have. I think I've heard of it, but I don't think I've seen it. Oh my god. Um, it's one of the craziest movies I've ever seen, but in in a good way. It is '90s, uh, and like kind of like the era of like liquid television, like short insanity stuff you'd see in between commercials. Only a full movie, and actually Keanu's in it as a mutant dog boy. Uh, at the end of the first act, he runs off chasing a squirrel. Doesn't come back until the last two minutes because I'm guessing he was too busy. Uh, mm. But it makes me wish there were we had more Alex Winter directed movies. Uh, I think he's done mostly like documentaries and TV stuff. But hey, good for him for sticking to it and for coming back for this. Um, yeah, so I'd love to see him get hired to do more stuff because it was fun seeing him again. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's lacking in talent. Um, and if this is, I, I guess it's done well, so maybe we'll be seeing more of him in some form. We'll see. Uh, but so yeah. So long story short, Tyler definitely recommend Bill uh, and Ted Face the Music. Yeah, and if you want a more, like, spoiler-filled, if you watched the movie and you want to hear more thoughts on it, uh, we did do, like, a little mini-episode of Silver Screen Breakdown about it, so you can check that out if you yeah. uh, want. It's a good good episode to check out, I think. Go listen to that show in general. I, I, I need to do it more, but I, I know the last time I listened was after I rented uh, The Lighthouse, I went and listened to your episode, and you titled it something like, Come With Me If You Want to Spill Your Beans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good movie, by the way. Um, yeah, we, we, we kind of pride ourselves. A lot of our, you know, we have a, a couple episodes uh, about movies that we didn't particularly like and we kind of go off on. But instead of a, a negative movie podcast, we, we pride ourselves on being a positive one where uh, we're always looking for, for what makes these movies good even or important. And uh, we have a lot of episodes that I think, you know, I, I think the one that we always love to talk about the most is our Throwbreds episode because that was a movie that we both enjoyed when we saw it in theaters. But then by the time we finished our conversation for the podcast, we had a whole new appreciation for it because we discussed so many, like, aspects of it that we didn't think of in the moment. Which and movie? Throwbreds. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's uh, – Corey Finley is the director and he just did Bad Education for HBO and both of his movies. We, we recorded an episode about that as well. Um He's a really, really good director. And this is only, those were, that was his, Thoroughbreds is his first movie. Bad Education is his second. I think he's extremely talented. Um, and they're both really great movies. So I would recommend both of them. Nice. So in conclusion, Tyler's final thoughts on Bill and Ted Face the Music are that you should watch Thoroughbreds. Yes. <laughs> Don't watch Bill and Ted. Yeah. Watch Thoroughbreds. Or better, better yet, watch both. Um, yeah, definitely watch both. So watch good. Both. Yes. And I, I will. I will uh, check out Thoroughbreds and I will rewatch. Rewatch the first Bill and Ted, and then check out Bo's journey as well. I've I've heard a lot of people praise William Sadler's death, um, so it's kind of it's definitely a plus that they got him back for this. Yeah, and and uh, it's uh, both of these movies are generally positive. I think there's a couple of uh, of the bad, uh, the particularly bad f bomb in those movies, but um, it, these characters, I think, other than those 
uh, moments are pretty positive characters who. Well, that's um, the thing. They're like they're dopes, but they're lovable dopes. That's what I remember about the first one. Yeah, they're good people. Like they're dumb, but they mean well, and they're not awful. And none of the none of the movies even really feel like they have antagonists as much as like a like conflict. they do. Yeah, they have conflict and stuff like that. But even like evil Bill and Ted and Bogus Journey are still likable yeah. in a way. Like you still enjoy one, watching them. Yeah, I remember the first one. They might run specific problems in their time period, but it was mainly the main conflict was let's get this all together for a school presentation. Yeah, and that's uh, if you if it's a it's a fun casual time travel movie that's all about fun and and the stakes are relatively low. Everything well, they're they're not the stakes aren't low, but they don't feel like they get in the way too yeah, much the because they have such a fun about time. The destruction of the universe, but I'm guessing they don't make it as heavy as other movies could. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Intent. All right, so let me save what we have and then let's get to our main talk. Sound good? Yeah. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Calm down, Marty. I didn't disintegrate anything. The molecular structure of both Einstein and the car are completely intact. Where the hell are they? The appropriate question is, when the hell are they? You see, Einstein has just become the world's first time traveler. I sent him into the future. So when I, as, as most people, listeners are probably know, when I had guests on, I typically have them uh, throw out suggestions for what to talk about and Tyler did one that had me like ooh this this could lead to some interesting talks because and it was a good excuse for me to uh, cross one on the bucket list because this is a very very iconic series uh, one of the I'd say it's like one of the top three when you think of like 80s series like Star Wars number one this would be two or three I think that is being the Back to the Future trilogy by Robert Zemeckis and mm-hmm. uh, let me say first off this was one I'm kind of my movie geek shame card includes not being a completionist with this because I saw I think I had seen the original Back to the Future once in its entire no twice this entirely once as a kid then again in college when they were on uh, oh yeah, yeah I guess it would be streaming because it was like video on demand um, this would be like 2007 or 8-ish uh, I watched I rewatched the first one and then watched the second and despite having the hell of a cliffhanger, I just never got around to the third. And so I was like, I, time to correct that. And even though it had, like, the ending spoiled, I was still like, I want to I want to check this out. So, uh, Tyler, do you have uh, a similar history or two with that feature, or were you more aware of it early in life? I was much more aware of this movie. I think, I don't know when the first time I watched Back to the Future was, but this became a movie that I absolutely fell in love with at some point. And, yeah, I had a... um. A VHS player, like a VHS a television cassette, yeah. That would, uh, you know, you, you just plug in your, your video and you just watch it directly through the TV. And I had that in my room and I didn't have cable or anything So for like kids, for, for our Zoomer listeners, a VHS yeah. was like a DVD or Blu-ray, but it was like a square box and uh, the picture quality really sucked in comparison. And you yeah, couldn't and chapter skip. Uh, and your tape could like get all wound like it was possible it would just get and the size of the picture were cut off but yeah uh we we didn't know any better so that's our we love we we had a lot of those yeah so i so basically when i was growing up i had uh, this tv with a vcr built in and then um at a certain point obviously dvds became the big thing um and then when everybody was transitioning from VHS to DVDs, uh, the local um, video rental place near my house 
had all of their VHS sale for sale for like 30 cents. Like it was like super cheap. Oh yeah. So I bought like a bunch of movies that I really loved and back to the future was one of them. And there were a a big stretch of time where I'd put this movie on like every night before I went to bed, I would just watch some of it. And, um, this was one of those movies that I watched all the time. Um, yeah. And then I think I also, um, I also really like, um, the second one, uh, I think I've seen the third one the least of them, mm-hmm. but you know the second one has like probably one of the most iconic versions of the future in it. So that oh, yeah, one we'll I think is that. another one that stands out. Yeah, yeah. Second one is is the most ambitious. Uh, I'll say mm-hmm. general thoughts about it in each one as we get to them, but uh, the second one goes for it with the time travel. Um, but yeah, this is this is just a. Uh, this I, is it safe to say like this is the time travel movie the time travel property oh yeah absolutely i mean like we day. talked about we talked about an end game and i'll bring that up and again in a second um end game has to like directly reference back to the future because they're doing time travel <laughs> like yes it's yes. almost like you can't do time travel without bringing up some aspect of back to the future yeah because and it's a movie that's this is parody to death on so i, I remember like yeah. both uh, Simpsons and Family Guy did did parodies of it. Yeah, this is an iconic movie. When people think time travel, they think Back to the Future. Um, there's a there's actually a wrestler in uh, the NXT brand right now for uh, that that his name is uh, Kushida, and his whole gimmick is Back to the Future. He comes out wearing essentially the Marty McFly stuff and like nice. blue lights and stuff and. Like, so still to this day, people are like, Back to the Future is like something you, you see those few details. You see the, the out of time license plate, the fiery strips. Oh, some, oh yeah. And then, uh, the, the wrestler who, who fought, uh, Kushida at the, the most recent show, uh, dressed up as Doc Brown to fight him. So <laughs> that's a sight. Oh, yeah. and let's not forget, uh, it was the impetus for basically for the pilot version of one of those popular shows on TV now with Rick and Morty. Exactly. This a hundred percent. Rick and Morty does not exist without. Back for those who haven't put it together, and I know you talked about this when you talked Rick and Morty on Gen Ann, uh Justin Roiland's original short was like this crudely animated. It was called Doc and Marty. That's why he changed yeah. the names and designs a bit. But basically, they were they are meant to be more extreme versions of Rick and Morty. Uh, and Mark. <laughs> and what? One more time. One more time. Martin May are hello. Okay, you say, can you repeat that one more time? My computer is going me? slow. Can yeah, I can me? hear you. Damn it. Okay, hang on. Um, can, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, I can hear you too. I'm sorry. My computer sometimes lags sometimes. I'll, I'll, okay. How about I just text in the chat lag when it happens and, and just pause until I can hear each other again. So what were you saying about the, the short? I was just saying that it's uh, it was spelled uh, Mahardy like like there's yes. an agent like M A G R T I lawsuit and it's insane if you look it up make sure you look up a censored version because yeah it's it's rough but it is it is still kind of funny but I think Rick and Morty is uh, a really good it's a great show um, continuation um, of of that idea yeah yeah if, if you're a super fan of of Rick and Morty look it up if you're super fan of Back to the Future you may be disturbed. <laughs> Right. Lick my balls. You gotta lick my balls. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say that, like, yeah, it's it's Brick and Morty does a really good job of like, um, 
really using the idea of a Back to the Future style parody to create its own thing. Because at this point, I don't think you watch Rick and Morty and think, oh, this feels like a Back oh, to yeah, the Future Oh, yeah, it's, it's very much its own thing. I'd say it yeah. was by the time you did the first season with because it goes into, you know, it's more about space and dimensions than time travel. Yeah, and he also, I think they were really, they tried not to do any time travel stuff until, I think, like, either the most recent season or the one before that. Yeah, I and let's be real, they, they did it. Rick and Morty are not similar personality-wise to Dark and Marty. <laughs> Marty. No, uh, Marty, ha- Marty is confident and uh, Doc is likable. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it would it would totally blow my mind if they got either Michael J. Fox or Christopher Lloyd to guest star. I'm just going to say it now. Oh, yeah, uh, that'd be fun. I, I, I do got to say before we go in, Christopher Lloyd is, is a treasure. I like Michael J. Fox, but Christopher Lloyd is someone who I feel never stuck around as an A-lister, but he's continued to show up and stuff. And everything I see him in, it just always makes me happy to see him. Like, even if he's in a shitty movie like Food Fight, I'm just like, Christopher Lloyd, yeah. there he is! Both, yeah. I mean, both of these performances are, like, again, the movie itself is iconic. These performances are iconic. Super like, iconic. Uh, and they I can't all- imagine anybody else doing them. Well, that almost happened, but then they couldn't imagine. You know mm-hmm. about Eric Stoltz, right? Yes, of course. Eric Stoltz filmed a good several weeks of this movie. Yeah. In fact, I would actually recommend, since we're talking about the first one right now, uh, there's another podcast called Blank Check, which is a movie podcast where they talk about directors' filmographies, uh, and they're currently going through Zemeckis. And so I think like two weeks ago, they put out the Back to the Future episode, and that is a fantastic episode if you want to know about the making of this film, yes. how it came to be, um, and you got to listen to it because it's fantastic. Yeah. They Real quick, if we have any listeners who don't know this, this is probably like one of the best known pieces of movie trivia. Um, mm-hmm. They, I believe, I, they had always wanted Michael J. Fox, but when they originally were getting started, he was unavailable. So their backup was Eric Stoltz. They shot a ton of scenes with him, but it just became clear like he was miscast. This wasn't clicking the way they'd imagined for Marty. And they let him go, and by then Michael J. Fox was available. But that is just kind of like a crazy. They, they actually, what happened was specifically they they went to the person because uh, he was on Family Ties. Michael I J. Think Fox was, was yeah, that's where he yeah. got started. So he was on Family Ties at the time. They wanted Michael J. Fox, but he wasn't available. Right, and the Family Ties people were like, "No, we need him." I think somebody was pregnant on the show, and they just came back, so their production was stalled for a while, and then. Uh, they they were like, fine, we can't get Michael J. Fox. We'll go with Eric Stoltz. They filmed for like a month with him. And then they were just like, they went back to the Family Ties people. And they were like, can we please get Michael J. Fox? Like, what do we need to do? And he was like, fine, we're back on schedule. I can maybe give you him at night, but he's got to be here like three days a week or something like that. And they go, fine. And then Michael J. Fox shot this movie while he was doing Family Ties. And right. literally, he would do Family Ties during the day. And then he would like travel and like, like he would sleep on his way to the set of Back to the Future, where he would shoot all night long, and then would go back to the set of Family Ties and do it in the morning. And he did that like until they've completed this that movie. Sounds exhausting. Yeah, he said he like barely remembers even doing anything in this movie was, because okay, he, well, he was so like washed he out by it. Doesn't come off as groggy or anything like no it's a perfect performance let's like be, he absolutely yeah. nailed it let's be real the, they these two have done tons of prominent stuff before and after the, this is what they're going to go down in history for above all else they were they work so well together and as these kids like they were born to be these two yeah they're absolutely perfect and then uh the other one 
So if we're talking about other people, I think John Lithgow almost got the the Doc Brown thing, but okay. just for Lloyd. Like, and and if, if I had to replace her for Lloyd with somebody, I think John Lithgow would be a, he, a yeah, good I like choice, but he, he might you be able can't to replace him. Yeah, and just real quick about Christopher Lloyd, two other things. Because he, 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 as he's gotten older, he's done a lot of voice work. Um, my sister was a fan of that Cyber Chase cartoon when she was little. And it was, I would never, I would be in the room and hear him as, I think it was Hacker. I'd be like, oh, hey, Doc. Um, uh, me, I'm a, I enjoyed him a lot in Anastasia. He was Rasputin. Uh, I actually one of like my personal movie quotes when I'm, uh, trying to calm myself down, where he did the whole, like, his head collapses. He's like, I have no feelings whatsoever. Um, and prominent, uh, relevant to uh-huh. some, <laughs> relevant to previous episodes, uh, they brought him in the Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC as Zayn or the main villain because Rutger Hauer had passed and he knocked it out of the park. Oh, hang on. Came after this. Um, Can you say that one more time? Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, another Zemeckis movie. Yeah. He's just in so many great things. He's incredible in everything he's ever done. Yes, yes. Even, like I'm saying, even bad movies like Food Fight, I'm like, he's not half-assing it. He's going all out. And he's just, he's got this larger-than-life voice and, and persona, and there isn't really anybody else like him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so let's get let's get into these movies. Uh, I talked about it beforehand because you want to take a unique angle with how we kind of approach some of this. Uh, and I did our usual thing of, of taking notes for each of these. I... Kind of blitzed them all over this week on uh, Netflix, and I'll get I'll bring up some notes as they come up. But uh, Tyler, let's start with uh, Back to the Future One. Where do you want to start with this? Okay, I want to. So basically, like I said, the angle I want to take on this is I want to talk about the actual time travel aspects of these movies and how they work because I think that is to me what is so interesting about these movies. And there, I first of all I want to state for the record, I love all three of these movies. Um, but there's a lot of contradiction and a lot of interesting aspects of the time travel in this movie. And I just want to kind of go through them and just talk about like the implications and the way that these time travel aspects like affect um, the timeline. The timeline, yeah. Uh, and, and first of all, there there are like like we talked about Bill and Ted earlier, and so Back to the Future, Bill and Ted have. Are, are probably the examples of the two time travel styles in movies that are most prominent in Bill and Ted. You have a time travel where, like I mentioned earlier, anything that you will do, you have already done. Like if you are going to, do, if you're going into the past, you already did that. Yeah. So anything, if you went to the past and changed something and then went back to your future throughout your entire life, that thing in the past had already happened. Throughout all time, you, yeah. Right, because you went back in time, and you yeah. will go back in time eventually. There are three approaches to time travel I'm going to bring up, and that's the first one. And then Back to the Future is yeah. the second one. Yeah. Uh, so so in Bill and Ted, there's a famous scene where at the beginning of the movie, uh, Ted's dad is saying that he can't find his keys. And the keys are like, obviously, like, he's a police officer. So the keys like let him into the police office. And so he's like, I can't find my keys. I need to go to work and I can't find my keys. It's really frustrating. And then later in the movie, Bill and Ted realize that they need to get into the police department, but they can't because they don't have the keys to get in. The building's locked. And Ted goes like, well, my dad lost his keys like two weeks ago. And then they think, well, what if we went back in time before he lost them? 
And then we and then we took them, and then we like put them over there, and we'll just do that after everything after we're done doing everything else. And then they go back and they check and go, all right, there it is. <laughs> like, like so that so in that idea of the reason why, and I don't even think Bill and Ted put this together. The reason why Ted's dad didn't have his keys is because Bill and Ted in the future went back in time and took them. <laughs> so that's why they didn't, didn't have them. That's why he didn't have them. Back until later. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we uh, don't even see them do that, but we know that they eventually do that right. because they have time travel. That and a real quick, another uh, popular culture that example that sticks that first, this first template is uh, Harry Potter and Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes, uh, that was the other one I was going to bring both up. Both the book exactly. and movie, there are little moments yeah. where you're like, what, what's that about? What, what's that? I mean, the characters are like that. And then when they use the time twister, you realize, like, outside of their goal, this is, like, things they got to do to to pull this off. And it was always – it's always been that way. They There's no timeline where they didn't do that. They don't go back in time to change things. They no. go back in time because they have to do the things that no. they did. So it's perfect. It's yeah. exactly like a loop thing. It's a really well time travel, really right. well told so, time travel story. Let's talk Back to the Future's approach because this is probably mm-hmm. the most one of the more complicated approaches, if you ask me. Third right. one's the easiest. So Back to the Future is a show or is a movie where it there's was a show. time it wasn't travel. Wasn't a very good show. Yeah. No, it's it's the way that they do time travel in Back to the Future is that they um, essentially create alternate timelines when they change things. So when you basically this idea is that if you go back in time and you change something and then you go into the future, um, you will be going into the future of the timeline that you. Yes, just things will be you different. leave your former timeline and you basically go on this new timeline. Yes, you're um, stuck in this one. You're, you're, you're affecting the future like and you're you're coming from a pa- a, pa- a changed past like. Originally, Marty was not in the 50s at all. Exactly. And, and his parents and Biff turned out very different because of that. And him going back and kind of changing the circumstances of, of their interactions leads to different, like, fates for all of them. And, exa- and, and when uh, when Marty goes back in time, like, we see in this movie the first ever time travel. So – the everything in this timeline exists in the timeline at the beginning oh, of the movie. Technically, Marty is not the first time traveler. It was Einstein. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm saying in this movie we see, including Einstein, yes. the first uh, the first time travel experiences. Which yes, means he, before tra- he that, a... Before that night, there was no time travel. Yeah, well, uh, before that night, Einstein was not supposed to show up a minute in the future. But they've changed history by doing that. Exactly. So, essentially, you have this timeline where up until that moment there is no time travel then marty goes back in time now they are in a in a and then he returns to the future he is now in a timeline in which he went back in time and changed stuff right. um so that is that is that aspect and then obviously endgame does it a little bit differently where they do the same idea except that it's like you go back in time and you can change other yes. people's timelines, but you will return to your own original the, timeline. Yeah, this is like the real branching. Like the ancient one visualizes it, right? Like, uh, showing like, but because the idea is that branches, um, and uh, there's even that line: "Clip all the branches, like make make these timelines less nasty because you need the stones there for balance." Um, right. So what? So their their whole mission is they have to go back in time, retrieve right. the time stones, come back to their timeline, use them, and then return they, them. They back. sum it up where Rhodey is like, "Why don't we go back and kill Thanos when he's a baby?" And Hulk yeah. has to explain like, "Our past is set in stone. We're changing the futures of other. We're creating a different universe that we can't access. We travel back to our present. Like, 
the stuff in the past and the present is still how it is. We're just getting items from other, basically you're creating different dimensions. Um, and uh, Dragon Ball did that as well. Chris brought this up. All the uh, the time travel with uh, Trunks was was very much just created. Uh, are you there? You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm just listening to you. So yeah, I'm here. Okay, you hear yeah. me? Yeah, I'm I hear just you. listening to you. I hear. You. So um, Dragon Ball did this same thing, and I don't know how Tyler, you're almost. I almost called you Chris. You're not very familiar with Dragon Ball, right? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. I'm, I'm not an anime guy. Are, <laughs> yep, I know. I know. But there, you've watched a few. I, I'm the one who got you to watch Tiger and Bunny, the one you love. Yeah, it's so, true. It's true. Real quick. So there's a character. Basically, we uh, uh, kind of a reveal is that the Dragon Ball that we're watching is a branched timeline because. Um, there, there's some androids that, like, decades later and after Z cause an apocalypse, so the son of one character gets a time machine and goes back to change it. He prevents it in this timeline, but when he goes back, it hasn't – he's still in, like, post-apocalyptic, so he just created a better world somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's like, another uh, – I feel like that's the one that you're still – if you're – you're still probably going to open up some uh, – uh, I was going to say cl- collaborations or uh, – Controversy. What am I looking? What, Tyler, help me out here. You're gonna contradictions. Contradictions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's it's a little more easy to follow. Back to the Future. You've got a flexible timeline, so there's a lot more variables to keep track of. Yeah, and I think the the tough thing about Back to the Future and the more time travel that happens, the the timelines get all wonky and weird, and uh, that's what's kind of interesting. And you have these like little contradictions, but we'll, we'll, we're going to move yeah. through them real quick and talk other, about them as they go real quick. A more modern example that sticks to the back future template is looper. Uh, have you seen looper? Yes. Yes. That has a very grisly example of like real time timeline changing. Yes. It's um, disturbing. <laughs> and, and the ending too, which is, I'm not going to spoil looper. It's a fantastic movie, but that's when I kind of walked out in a daze. You're just like, Holy shit. Uh, yeah. Excellent movie, by the way. Uh, kind of, it kind of it, that's what helped me discover Ryan Johnson. I've liked his both Last Jedi and Knives Out too. He's a talent. Have you have you seen Brick? I haven't seen Brick, and I haven't seen Brothers oh. Bloom, but I've heard great. You things. Should, I, I haven't seen Brothers Bloom, but I've I've seen Brick, and Brick is incredible. I yeah. remember I saw Brick before Last Jedi, and I just remember thinking like I cannot believe the person who made this movie on like. This incredible movie that had like no budget is making a Star Wars movie, I, and like how it crazy made that's sense gonna be. to me when I had seen Looper, I heard he was getting because that is a sci-fi, but that is like such a darker movie. And to be mm-hmm. fair, Last Jedi is a pretty grim movie, so it makes sense. Yeah, uh, it just also blew up the internet. Uh, but I will say, well, if we're back to the Back to Future One, uh, I gotta give credit to this is nothing to like I said. I'm gonna take. I took some notes. Something I gotta give credit to on just a technical level. When you think about it, that opening shot is amazing. And oh, it yeah. must have been a nightmare to do. It is like probably like two minutes long. You got to use all these like inventions, doing like Rube Goldberg type stuff, one after another. You got to make sure the camera's panning right. You got to make sure you catch what you're supposed to. Uh, it's I don't think there were any optical effects or cuts. It's all practical. Uh, yeah, it, it's all one it, big shot, and it gives you so much great subtle exposition. Where yes, you're about, the first time you watch it, you're probably just thinking, "Oh, this is like a fun Rube Goldberg thing to watch." Yeah. Until you watch it again, you go, "Oh man, there's so much." Yeah, you kind of forget they're talking about oh plutonium stolen and stuff like. <clears throat> right. And you rewatch it, and you're like, "Oh, this is this is world and character building, especially for you, Doc." You see the, the story about Doc Brown's past. You see like his yes. family, the the newspaper clippings about his house being burnt down, all that stuff. Yep. Really yep. interesting stuff. And then Marty walks in and reenacts the ending of TMNT Two: Secret of the Use. He gets he gets shredded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Hell yeah! Okay, before we move on, uh, real quick, when I 
I got to ask your take on this, Tyler, because when I mentioned the last episode that we were doing this, Patrick said, John, I just want you to ask Tyler one thing. Why do you think these teenage boys hang out with this old man? Because that's one of the things, that's just something that's never All right. elaborated on. Here is my, now there's a weird thing, and I'll, I'll talk about this in a second because I believe this answer would technically change later. Mm. But as of the first movie, the way I see it is I think Doc Brown, and I don't think they ever say this. This is just what my interpretation is. I think Doc Brown posted a job listing for a lab assistant and Marty took it. That would make sense. That's that's kind and of what I, I, how it felt to yeah. me. Like he was doing an internship or assistant job outside of school. Yeah, I think like, I think that he might have found something where like Doc was like, "Hey, I'm looking for somebody. Like, I'll pay you some money to you know help me out." And so that's how he yeah. was like, "Oh, well, I'll, I was going to say maybe they're neighbors, but I don't know if they ever show where Doc's house is in proximity proximity to Marty's." Yeah, I don't think it's it's anywhere near. I don't uh, get the vibe. I know the the estate was farther away, but that's oh, and no, well. Actually, we kind of do because oh. um, we know that Marty's house is in a development that has not been built yet, kind of out a ways from everything else. And Doc's house is like in the middle of town. It's built in the 80s. It's in the – you're in the 50s, but I think that's the one that burned down is Doc's house in the 50s. So no, yeah. Be. His garage is still there. Oh, the garage, so the garage that they leave doesn't have a house on it because the house burnt down. But the garage oh, he is moved still into there. his garage. Okay, yeah, they are yeah. they are not nearby. So yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, real. So quick. it's the same location that he goes to in the past. Yeah, it's the same place. Okay, yeah, they're I, not I believe. neighbors. I so, could be wrong about that. Yeah, it probably was just he needed an assistant and they and they bonded. Um, I will say I've name dropped uh, the Hey Do You Remember podcast. Are, are you familiar with this one, Tyler? Uh, I don't think I've listened to it, but I've heard of it's, it before. It's fantastic, and we've actually gotten some shout-outs by being uh, patrons of, uh, of theirs. Um, they have a nostalgic movie and occasionally TV approach. They revisit a movie from that's at least like 20 years old, discuss their memories with it, and then kind of go do what we're doing, go step-by-step step and joke and critique. They, uh, one of the main guys had a great theory even beyond like the job or their neighbors or whatever, but like why they would bond uh, – because of how George McFly starts out pre, you know, Marty messing with time, maybe Doc comes off as a better father figure to him, like mm-hmm. someone he can admire a bit more because George is a pushover. Well, yeah, I, I think that that's an aspect of it, too. I think that maybe uh, I I think not only does he take this lab assistant job, but I think he probably grows to like Doc, like you said, more than he likes his, his own dad. Yeah. And, who, and you, can't, you can't blame him for, for liking Doc. Uh, Doc is, is a hoot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he must have obviously, like, I think he takes this lab job, but he obviously vibes with him. I think the other example given is that, uh, Marty is friends with Doc because Doc has that giant amplifier and he likes to use it. Yes, that was, that was something that, uh, actually two side notes about the writer of this movie, these movies, uh, Bob Gale. He said that was, right, that was the moment where he felt their relationship was a little easier to swallow when they came up with that. Mm-hmm. And really. <laughs> I had just heard this on uh, on eighty member as well. Do you know what one of the original? I don't know if it was finalized or if it was proposed. What one of the taglines was going to be? And he was horrified. <laughs> no. What do you mean? My mom is in love with me. Oh yeah, that would have been a bad idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently this one was one of those classic movies that was a hard sell initially before anybody knew how it would do and. A lot of studios were looking for something to be like the next Porky's or like a funny sex comedy, and like Zemeckis and Gio you know, had to be adamant, like we're not doing that. This is yeah, this is pretty they, family friendly, right? This was a weird movie for the '80s, and 
it was it, like you said, it was a hard sell because they just weren't making movies like this at the time. No, and you hadn't really seen a time travel movie like this. Yeah. Um, so 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 let's talk about this time travel stuff. Yeah, let's talk about it. it from the beginning. So, like we mentioned, and we have to establish this from the very beginning when we talk about all this stuff. The first thing that we see is uh, obviously garage. we know about the plutonium thing. Yep, <clears throat> we know that they uh, Marty gets a call from Doc that says meet me at like one o'clock in the mall, the parking lot of the Twin Pines mall he goes there he reveals the time machine says it runs on plutonium all this stuff um the first thing that they do is he basically wants marty there to document the first ever use of time travel which is sending einstein one minute into the future this is an important thing to establish early on because it's going to be a contradiction that we're going to talk about in a bit Mm -hmm. but what we see is we see Einstein get into DeLorean. The DeLorean travels at 88 miles per hour and disappears. We then have one minute in time that passes where Einstein is not there. And then Einstein appears one minute later, instantaneous for Einstein. It was like nothing happened for them. They had to wait one minute for him to come back, right? Right. So that is the first ever time travel, and that is important to note that that is how time travel works in this universe. If you travel and to the future, side note, you I'll disappear. Get- he, oh, yeah, from the present, you will. And side note, I'll give them credit for keeping it consistent because when Marty time travels a few minutes later, we see it. I guess the only time in the series we see it in real time from their point of view, it is instant. He's like in a parking yeah. lot and then he's like hitting a scarecrow. Like just suddenly, that. yeah, he's in the middle of this, this forest. So the, um, so then obviously the Libyans show up, they fire at Doc. Uh, Marty runs away from them. He gets in the car and he travels, um, to the time that, like, because he's obviously not thinking about it at the time. Doc had set the machine to a bunch of different dates to show oh, him. Right. And he, the day that he set it was the day yeah. that he discovered time travel. I, yeah, I don't think he was going for, I'm going to time travel because that caused more problems. He's like, I got to get away from this. No, guys. he wasn't thinking about it. He just was driving in this car and, yeah. and but didn't the, even It kind of clues the audience when he says, let's see if you can reach 90. When, he's like, when you're like, because you remember what he what Doc had said about the 88. Right. You, yeah, <laughs> like, it can, uh, but it, it's gonna you're going to see some serious shit before you get there. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so he time travels back in time and then, uh, he's in the fifties. Like you say, he hits a scarecrow. He also hits a tree, which is the first moment where now if had Marty maybe just hit that scarecrow, maybe things wouldn't be that big of a deal. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, butterfly effect. Maybe it is. But when Marty hits that first tree, Um, he pushes uh, George out of the way and gets hit by the car. Right. But the first thing that really changes things is that he hits one of those trees and he turns the mall from the Twin Pines Mall into the Lone Pine Mall. Yes. This he has already created a different timeline. I totally missed this the first time I watched it. I, I, I noticed that there, the mailbox of the farm family was Peabody and uh, – Doc had name dropped them previously, but I wasn't paying attention to the mall sign. But yeah, that's his first uh, little thing that he changes. Yeah. So then, obviously, we you know we go ahead. He goes into the fifties. He goes into town. He runs into George. I, I will say George. a nice little detail when Marty is first arriving. Even in like wide shots, you can see all the extras walking by, glancing at him, like what is he wearing? And then of course yeah. the diner owner is like, "What's with the life preserver?" <laughs> yeah. He goes, "You go overboard." <laughs> He's like, "What? You're wearing a life preserver." 
Uh, which that puffy vest is great because I even in the eighties I don't know how many people were wearing puffy became, vests like that. Marty made it iconic. That's the thing. Marty, That's true. And I've got to say, Marty is just he's a likable character because he's he's got some attitude to him, but he he is definitely a, a good guy. He the worst thing that happens is he try is that he he tries to do stuff so we can cheat and bet in the future but that's not so much malicious <laughs> he's you know, he's like not cool but he's not a loser he's a yeah. really good middle ground of a character yeah where... the the opening does a good job of establishing that like he's great with the skateboard he has a great girlfriend um he's got a passion for music but he's not he's haven't found his groove yet uh his yeah. family's rough his principal hates him uh, stuff like that uh, I, I'm sure if they hit a, they do find a good middle ground rather than trying to make him perfect or total, total, total wimp or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so he he meets George uh, in the past. He meets Biff in the past, and obviously I didn't we didn't mention this because we kind of skipped past it. But in the future, George is a loser. Uh, his mom seems like she's in a loveless marriage. <laughs> yes. See, I felt so bad for Lorraine in that original. Yeah. So he just seems so glum and, and drunk. Um, her, his siblings aren't great. His, uh, his uncle is in prison, which <laughs> I don't that's know not really changes. important. I don't think that changes, honestly. <laughs> there's no, there's no indication that anything changes there. Uh, but, um, things aren't exactly great for, um, Marty. uh, for Marty and for his For McFly's. Family. Yeah. Um, so he goes, you, you get the sense that their marriage happened on a whim. And, um, I think it, it's even elaborated. Like, I don't know if it's Lorraine in the past who says it or someone else, but it's kind of like she married him cause she felt, she fell with him cause she felt bad for him. <laughs> cause it was just that, like that yeah. pathetic and pitiable. Yeah. She kind of like, she's basically fell in love with not even fell in love with she was with this guy that she was taking care of because he was such a loser and she ends up marrying him <laughs> and, and a peeping tom even more yeah like, a peeping tom. Peeping tom. yeah yeah george has I, to oh, get it so back to it. um i will say uh look i want to talk about the sporting cast a little bit um yeah first if we're talking the parents uh leah thompson freaking adorable in that first movie um, oh yeah, she's fantastic and funny because it turns out she does. She comes off as so meek for a while, but it turns out like she does have a stronger side. It's just I think because of the time period, you're, like women aren't expected to show that. Uh, but it's really funny when she that starts- was one of that was one of the cells of the movie that they that uh, Zemeckis and uh, Gail wanted to show uh, a movie where essentially the idea was like, what if your mom was always like talking about how she was like. You know, she seems like she's just a prude in the future. She's like, oh, I never did that when I was a yeah, kid. But then you yeah. go back in time and meet her as a kid, and she was like that. That's kind of the idea. Yeah, well, it, she's not like until the end. She's hiding it, but like her – I'm guessing she keeps up – by the way, um, I love when he – they're like, we got our first television set. And he – because there's a lot of Marty in the first movie like bringing up stuff where nobody's like, what, what, are, you, what, what are you talking about? Like, he just has to blurt it out. Um, yeah. And I love the line where – because he was he's talking about like how are you seeing reruns? What's a rerun? And one of them says maybe he has a second TV. And somebody goes, he's teasing. Nobody has two television sets. And I just wrote, <laughs> if they came to today and saw streaming phones and tablets, they'd faint. <laughs> yeah, witchcraft. It would be a lot. That's not possible. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So but we also have yeah. oh, we all, oh, for the cast we uh, Crispin Glover in the first movie. Uh, really good way of handling uh, George because. 
I, I think he kind of has does with enough nuance where it's like even though he's pitiable and even like you could say reprehensible with a peeping Tom when he's just in school it's like he's not a bad he just needs to open up a bit more mm-hmm. um, like I really high school geek me and even geek me now identified with when you know it's the first hint of his real talent when he's writing stories and he tells uh he tells Marty I'm sorry I wrote this down somewhere around here um the fact that he when Marty tells him to do more with that he's like I don't know what if people didn't think I was any good and like if you're a creator if you're Tyler maybe if you can like this as if you're an actor mm-hmm. like you do you do this on stage and indie film I, I do voices like part of the problem of getting out there is convincing yourself to give yourself a, a shot of making that kind of stuff public yeah absolutely that's one of the hardest part of being an artist and it's something that you can kind of tell was holding george back yeah it ties into him in general successful. and what goes down the ending is kind of the moment that gets him he, to open up in, in original timeline george never had the no, confidence yeah yeah he it did give him uh, an amazing laugh though <laughs> that that episode, by the way, that blank check episode about Back to the Future that just came out is has a lot of great details about uh, about his absolutely like insane take on this character and how he wanted to <laughs> portray it. Like, okay. uh, and supposedly before... everybody everybody else kind of said that Crispin Glover was like kind of like I like playing this like almost like cartoon character compared to I everybody mean, else. Have you seen some of his his solo yeah. material? Yeah, I think yeah, he is a cartoon. He's, he's, he's a, he's a, I love it. His his gimmick, his his, tra- his trademark is that he does weird stuff un, un, unapologetically. Uh, yeah, so that, there's a lot a, of fun anecdotes about that on that episode to listen to. Yeah, yeah. And real quick, I look, we can't skip over Thomas Wilson as as not just Biff, but like the Tannen bloodline. Yeah, uh, he's he, so great. He does not get enough credit because he's got to do like, I'm thinking one, two, probably like, at least five different takes on Biff and his ancestors or descendants and they're all distinct and they're all great. Um, like he, he, uh, it, sorry, hang on. Uh, it, it's just, he's got a, he's got a lot of range, even though you can identify the same personality in all of them. Yeah. Like it's, it's always Biff, but like when you see the scenes of him, this is jumping ahead a bit, but in this in the second movie where he's old Biff talking to young Biff, and yeah. it feels like it is two different actors playing against each other. Yes. He's so good, and it's really, that's the showcase to me. Yes, yeah, he, he doesn't get enough enough credit because he's he's continued to do work, but not on the same same level of prominence as Michael J. Fox and uh, Christopher Lloyd, but props to him because Biff is like the third wheel of this of this trilogy, or the Tannins. A hundred percent. He's almost one of the sole parts of it. I mean, when they did the theme park ride, you get Doc and you get Biff. And you don't need Marty <laughs> because you got Doc and Biff. And to yeah. me, that was like, that's At what that you At that point, needed. you can be the Marty surrogate. Right, exactly. That that ride works really well because of that. Yeah, I don't know if it's still up there. I never I never went on it. Uh, it's not, but you can, you can watch the ride. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Cool. It's available. By the way, yeah, it's, but it's, confir- it's I know theme parks aren't a hot body right now in quarantine, but it has been confirmed the uh, Mario theme park will be opening in Japan next spring. I and can't be wait getting to one, see like, what the, that ride looks like. I, no, no, it's like a whole uh, section. No, I know, but like the ride inside the Mario Kart yeah, ride, I can't yeah, wait to a see big what that looks like when Mario it's done. Mario fan, I've been playing all, 3D All-Stars and... Mario 35, I'm 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 down. Uh but look, Trial, what's the next point of the uh time stuff in the first one you want to talk about? So yeah, so so essentially Marty inserts himself into this narrative of trying to uh Cernio de Bergerac George into a relationship with his mom so that he <laughs> will be born. 
Um, that is important. Also, his relationship with Doc is important. Uh, they oh, get yeah. very close as they try to as they try to figure this out, and that's important as well. Um, I gotta say, they... my favorite—I think most people's favorite part of him initially trying to convince Doc because Doc thinks he's just a kook—is who's president in 1985? Ronald Reagan, the actor. Uh, it's kind of like if you did it today, Donald Trump, the building tycoon. It's kind of like right. I... And, and yeah, and oh my god, like you watch Back to the Future, like you know Donald Trump was an inspiration for that character even even then. Wait, wait, like in, that, in what? In two? In Back to the Future 2 for Biff. Yes, yes, his, yes, present day yeah. Biff. Oh, very much. He's going to copy the haircut. Yeah, and I, I've i always fantasized, my, my pitch has been that I've said this on Twitter a few times, I would love, they are never going to do this. I would love to make a continuation of Back to the Future right now where, um, you use uh, Zoe Deutsch, who is uh, the actual daughter of Leah Thompson, so she looks exactly like him. And if you huh. you if you watch the all the timeline stuff, you go back in time and you see the McFlies, and you see you know this whole relationship of like you know these people can always kind of look the same. Having Leah yes. Thompson, other than George, I think play all a the, modern uh, version of like Marty's kid. Other than George, I think they have. Like in third, uh, third Seamus, his his immigrant yeah. ancestor, it's, it's Michael J. Fox, right? So there's like this, and, and, and he plays the Biff uh, thing and her. Too. Yeah, they always play these like these past versions of themselves. So like having like Leah Thompson's actual daughter, who looks a lot like her, be like um, Marty's daughter. Some Mar- yeah, Marty's daughter goes back to the '80s, and then you could do that joke. Who's the president? Donald Trump. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, like yeah, like all that stuff. Like you could do that bit. <laughs> and it would still work. Yeah, I will say. If if let's just get this out of the way right now, because uh, I think there are people have been wondering, like, are they ever going to do a reboot or continuation of this? And I personally would rather they didn't because you risk tarnishing the series with every time you do that. Well, that's what Bob Gale said that he he they are not allowed to uh, while he's alive. No, they're just waiting for him to croak. That's yeah, Hollywood. I'm sure when he I'm sure when he dies, I they will, will say, try something. I will say I would rather it be a full reboot and you make up new characters, like not someone who's meant to be Marty again, like give them different personalities, different, different problems, different, different, different goals. And you could certainly have the past be the eighties by this point. I'm just like, yeah, that's the, what I mean. Like you go back to the eighties and take the, the 50s and I think it still works. We do the concept. Don't we do the characters? Yeah. Then you might have a I shot agree. at doing something. Right. So, so yeah, that's what I, I think, but I don't think they would ever do that. And then you also have the problem of trying to figure out how you can do a, a Back to the Future with somebody other than uh, Christopher Lloyd, because he's certainly, like, he's still doing stuff, but he's much older, so it's more yeah, difficult he, for him to film a whole movie. By the time Bob Gale's gone, Christopher Lloyd could conceivably be gone as well. Yeah. I hate to say that, but, you know, celebrities drop dead left and right. <laughs> right. So, um, so, but yeah, uh, but, but anyways, he... You basically have this relationship of, with with him and Doc is growing. Um, he's trying to get George to be a little bit more confident. Yeah. Oh, uh, side Lorraine, thing I just want to bring up. Yeah. It's a great visual indicator. Do you remember when the, he's first trying to talk to George about Lorraine and they're at the gas station? Marty's trying to open a bottle of, like, Coke or something? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's still – George is still this meek guy and George's like, what are you, what are you doing? Come here. And he just – he, because Marty's struggling, he just takes it and, like knocks it across the side of the the gas terminal and gets it open. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's a great visual indicator. Of, like George has more strength than he gives himself credit for. It's like it's the first hint that like no, he needs he, confidence. Yes, that's his problem. Yes, it's great. Uh, yeah. So then, so so they they go to the dance. They have this whole plan where where Marty is going to hit on his mom, and then. <laughs> 
he's so against it for a while for obvious reasons, but uh, then he's like, well, this will work, but... <laughs> Hang on. Once he once he gets that all squared away, he can go back to the future, uh, and then that all gets intercepted when Biff enters the the program. And then mm-hmm. instead of it being Marty playing pretend, it's Biff for real. And George still has that confidence of saying like no, yeah, and well, punches him, and that and that gives him the confidence later. Yeah, and well, the other thing is like even if if Biff hadn't tried to straight up assault assault Lorraine, he was he's, yeah. Biff is a is is a creep at the end of the first movie. And then in the second, he goes into like swollen super villain. But um, I will say, even if he had interceded, like I lo- I love the fact that Lorraine goes for it and it still doesn't work. Like even she she can't tell why, but she's like, man, this 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 doesn't feel like I was hoping. I would. It's like kissing my brother. <laughs> yeah, I I love. It's, yeah, she does not not care for that, and I love that there's you you fix those two problems. That we noticed in the in the '80s version of uh, Lorraine and George, which uh, is that you know George is this weird, unconfident weirdo, and Lorraine is like in this loveless marriage with him. And then when this whole thing happens, they have like he's got the confidence; she has that romantic interest in him for real. Yeah, and now they actually have a better, re- more real relationship that goes through the years, which is which is great. And then you have. Um, the moment, one of the biggest moments of of this, where where uh, Marty performs "Johnny Be Good" at yes. the dance. Yes, it's awesome that Marty basically helps create rock and roll in this timeline and gets to shred. Uh, it's less awesome that the singing voice sounds nothing like Michael J. Fox. Right, it's Michael J. Fox if he was a chain smoker. <laughs> right. So here's the thing that's interesting about this because obviously what happens is, uh, and, and we are going to time travel to the future and then we will talk about. The implications here. Sure. Uh, so then what happens is is Marty plays um, the Chuck good. Berry song, Johnny Be Good. Um, and his Marvin cousin helps Marvin, Chuck. Mar- <laughs> yeah. Marvin Berry calls Chuck and says, hey, you know, that's not you're looking for, but listen to this. And so Chuck Berry listens to Marty play Johnny Be Good. Yes. And then... Uh, so that happens. We, we don't need to talk about the implications of that now. That just, that happens. Yes, it's now a timeline where Marty created Johnny Be Good. Yeah. Yes, more or less. So, but we we'll talk about that in a second. So, so then what happens is uh, they go to the future. Uh, they have the the scene with the lightning strike that's that hits the the clock tower. Yep. I love this detail of Back to the Future that it's a uh, you know lightning doesn't. Oh, that's actually in the song too. Um, uh, that lightning doesn't strike the same place twice, and they need lightning to create the power needed to time travel and it just so happens that yes if uh they do know when lightning will strike yep, which is such a cool detail of this whole thing he's lucky that. there that there's a lightning stri- that he knows from his past that oh this is gonna happen then uh yeah. i will say I, I i gotta say like this whole i i think this is all three of these are good movies uh but i think i'm in the consensus that this is the best one um and one of the things that I think makes for me is that whole third act is really strong. Like, you get really invested in all of it. Um, I feel like most movies, after, you know, at the point where Biff gets knocked out and George Lane connect, like, that'd be it. That'd be just, okay, go home, wrap everything up. Uh, but they're still finalizing it by seeing the song and then the whole stuff with Doc. Like, I I was on the edge of my seat even knowing the ending. Like, it, like especially when, like, he has, like, two inches that he has to make to it. Then he has to go, like, slide down to the tree and stuff like that. It's just... 
So good. Yeah, it's uh, it's such a great sequence. It's amazing. But you also have Marty who basically goes, I need to tell I need to tell him yeah. that he will get shot in the future because I don't want to lose him in the future. Yeah. Um, and obviously he's like, no, I don't want to change the past or I don't want to change the future. Nobody should know about their future because that'll change things. The thing that I don't know, maybe Doc figures out in the preceding years is that that's already happened. So it doesn't matter if he knows about his future because at this point we've changed things. Um, so maybe he realizes that, but, um, but, but um, you have the great realization where Marty is like, oh, I wish I had more time. And he goes, more time. I, I'm in a time machine. <laughs> and so he sets himself a little bit earlier. So he right. can try to get there in time. But the engine dies on him. Right. So, so then he, so, okay. So then, this is he a travels, new timeline. Again. He travels to the future. We are now in a new timeline. Um, Marty arrives just in time to the now Lone Pine Mall to see Marty go back in time to the yeah. 50s. They reshoot that scene from like a far away point of view. Right. So this is now when we have to talk about the implications because okay. things have happened here. Now. Okay. So we've established in the intervening years. George and Lorraine have a good, loving relationship. They still have their kids, which is super important. Uh, but now they're in this relationship that is um, much better for both of them. George is a, success, a, a successful author. Yeah. Um, Lorraine is in a good, you know, relationship. Her, their kids have better jobs because yes, of all the, of this. Yes, the brother was at like a fast food place and now he's a businessman. The sister, right. she, they never touched on her job. She might be in high school, but in the old timeline, she's struggling to, to date. And then this, she's she's talking about meeting, meeting for a date or a boyfriend or something. And Marty got his, his truck, so. Right. So, Marty got his truck and that's important. So, so now we have that. The relationship of his parents has changed both their their lives and his siblings' lives, right? Oh, and Biff's, and Biff's, right? Yeah. So, when we see this first shot, of we're looking down at this scene of Marty going back in time. That Marty is not the same Marty from the beginning of the movie. Because <laughs> that Marty wasn't... is somebody who grew up in a completely different timeline than our Marty. Right. And That's our a Marty, different guy. Our our, Mar our Marty didn't grow up. Like, I, there isn't a part where he remembers what his parents had been like this whole time. He just has to, he has to piece it together. Right. Our Marty is in a different timeline, and he watches a different version of himself. <laughs> Somebody who grew up, lived, and existed in a completely different version of reality travel back in time that is not our marty and that is so important Hashtag not my to marty. think about <laughs> not our marty it is a different person a problem could have a potentially different personality it's it's even yeah. possible we don't know how 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 much that change in his um home life would would change who he was as a person and what happens when guy. he goes he created i'm sure he came back to his own separate timeline and you create right. this, this infinite he loop. goes back in time and and that's the thing so we could do what we could do there's two things here uh so first of all i want to talk about doc brown sure as i said there is a change here i think originally before time travel exists i do think lab assistant or amp marty is friends with doc brown um oh i think I but that is say. how they met but now in this new timeline, 
Marty or Doc knew about Marty the whole time. He was already friends with him. Yeah, but this Marty didn't know. But that Marty doesn't know Doc. So he still is. So so you have a Doc Brown who is friends with a teenager who he knows from his past. (laughs) But he can't. That version of him doesn't know about any of this yet, right? No, and And, I'm, I'm sure Doc would be like, "Don't, don't. I can't mess with the timeline by telling him about all that." Right, so now you have two variations. You essentially have, I'm going to be in this relationship with this Marty, who oh, will, at this some is, point... This is a timeline ahead. where they presumably named this other Marty after, you know, the guy they thought was Calvin Klein originally. Because you have Lorraine going, Marty, that's a nice name when he leaves. Right, right, right. Um, so you have this... So you have Doc Brown who now is friends with Marty and is now essentially waiting, becomes friends with this version of him that doesn't know him, but is now waiting for that day when the time travel thing happens and you get past Marty to show up. Now, there's a whole bunch of different ways. you. Oh, one more time. Marty is basically just like the other Marty, but it doesn't have the knowledge of the future. And Doc Brown knows that he's going to have to send him in the future. And so sets up all of the things that happen because he knows this is going to happen. And when it's going to happen, so he has to set it up. Then there's the idea that it's very possible that Doc Brown does this and maybe he doesn't like this version of Marty. (laughs) Right? Maybe he's like, this isn't the guy that I knew. Um, But he'll be coming back probably. The the original. And he thinks to himself, wait, I die. I need to find out that letter. And he finds out that he dies and he realizes, all right, well, we're going to do all of this. And then the Marty that I know from the past will come back from our experience in my past. Yeah. will return. So if I'm alive, then I'll get old Marty back. The, my friend from the 50s will be back. And, and that's this really other cool. Marty is just gone and just let me see some and other Doc. fuck this other Marty. <laughs> Doc is a heartless bastard. He really is Rick. <laughs> and if he and if he wanted to, and if this is certainly the 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 Rick versions of things, if he wanted to, he could he could uh, he could Rick Sanchez that that fucking DeLorean to blow up whatever. <laughs> so nobody just cut this timeline. So he's not going to make any other timelines. So you can also imagine there's two things: either that Marty goes back and does whatever the fuck he does, yep, and that creates his own timeline and his own problems that doesn't affect this timeline because he's never going to return to this timeline. Or as long he... as something happens in the past when he goes back in time, then this timeline will not be affected by this, and he's going to have his version of Marty. Back. Or what if? Well, we got to get into Back to the Future 2. He shows up and there's already a Marty there, our main Marty. And he's got to work, deal with that. Yeah. It's nuts. So uh, so then, and then also, so then the other thing that I was talking about is is rock and roll in this, in this reality. Um, I don't think this changes too much. And this is why, and it's kind of awkward. But like, essentially, Chuck Berry um, has... To okay, so Marty McFly learned Johnny B. Good from Chuck Berry, right? Yes, and he goes back in time, plays the song that he knows from Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry hears it and then writes what he thinks is the version that he heard over the phone, which is his own thing, more or less, because it's whatever lyrics he writes, whatever chords he plays is Chuck Berry's version of this song that he heard in the past. And I don't think anybody says. Oh, it was it was uh, Calvin Klein. At oh, yeah, yeah. He and, dance. he and Marvin don't give credit, right? So it is it is one of those things where yes, 
in a weird roundabout way, Chuck Berry heard a song written by Chuck Berry. So Chuck Berry was always still, even though in this version you have him taking it from somebody yes, else, but he's taking a version that he wrote. Yes, but so he doesn't know Chuck it. Berry still wrote it. <laughs> always. <laughs> it's a... It's Chuck Berry's destiny. It's a version of a song that Chuck Berry heard. It's his, It's a Chuck Berry interpretation. Yeah, it's a Chuck Chuck Berry interpretation of a Chuck Berry song that he wrote, but he hadn't written it yet. It's if, very if, much Bill and Ted. <laughs> it happens multiple times. It becomes like writing stuff through Google Translate multiple times where you end up with a different song. Exactly, yeah. So it's that's just a really interesting detail. I think that that's um, super weird that... But I don't really think it affects the timeline too much unless Chuck Berry is struck in with guilt that he stole a, a hit song from some source that he's never heard from again. I mean, um, I think to them, uh, Calvin Klein disappeared into the ether after Yeah, that and that's the thing. You could say that, wait, hey, maybe Marvin Berry was like... Let's find him. Whoa, that, like, yeah, we need to get, like, we need to find that kid and have him play with us, and then he disappears. And they're like, well, the song was really good, and we heard him play the song. Why don't we just write that song? And then it's their memory of the song. They have to write it themselves. They're not, like, they didn't have it, like, recorded. So it's still their interpretation of the that's song true. that they That's heard. true. It could Simplers. be different. It could, it could be a different song now than it was when Marty originally it wouldn't heard be it. One That's to, a possibility. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be one-to-one, one, but it would yeah. still hear it. You would, it would be like if both existed in our world, it would be like Ice Ice Baby, where you're like, oh, that's a ripoff. Exactly. So so we've established that now this is a different timeline. These people are different. Marty has gone – a different version of Marty has gone back in time at this point. His adventures, we never know what happens to that Marty. We never really find out. It doesn't could, matter. You could, yeah, you could, you can come up with a million different ideas and a million different loops for that version of the character. Um, that's just, you know, he's gone, never to return. Um, but then, um, you have him meeting Jennifer. Luckily, this other version of Marty is still in a relationship with Jennifer. But again, yeah. the version of him that wooed this version. <laughs> The ver- that version's that version's gone. Anything else? Piece together what happened because it is a different guy. <laughs> that is Rick and Morty did something like that that was less with, I guess a, it wasn't with time travel. It was dimensional stuff, but mm-hmm. that's that's that's. Pre- I wonder if it's a coincidence in that case, but yeah, uh, that is those are some interesting reads. Uh, yeah. So then, this, so then of course, deep. oh god, no, just saying this all um, runs deep. Go ahead. Yeah. So then, Doc says, "I want to go and experience the future." travels to the future and then arrives the next morning says oh no you and jennifer are fine it's your kids something has to be done about your kids where we're going they're in the roads we're going to the future right and right. to be continued which wasn't on the original movie but yeah uh, that's a they, obviously added later. they added it when they knew they were going to do a sequel yeah um so that's also why uh jennifer has a more mineral role in the sequels than you'd expect because they didn't write that ending thinking Oh, we're definitely going to do another. It's just a fun what if. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that 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 scene it was always in the movie, but the back or the uh, to be continued wasn't added until they actually uh, made a sequel. Now that brings us right into Back to the Future Two. Yeah, I was right? going to say let's get to the sequels. Actually, give me one second. I'm gonna I gotta okay. turn on a light in my place. It's gotten sunsetting. And real quick, another of the most best-known tri- piece of trivia about this. Uh, the sequels had two recastings in the supporting cast. Uh, mm-hmm. Both Jennifer and George, uh, uh, the original Jennifer bowed out. And interesting thing about Crispin Glover, apparently it was twofold why he chose not to come back. Uh, 
Um, his he wasn't happy with the amount they were going to pay for it. Uh, the granted, George and Lorraine are in those way less. Uh, but he also, I think this is neat. Did you hear that he he disagreed with the themes of the ending of the first one? Yeah, that was one of the things that they talk about in that blank check episode. Is yes, is the that disagreement between Crispin Glover and uh, Zemeckis about the story. They had a falling out. Yeah, and uh, yeah. It's because the he said like if you look at it, the end of one, the reward is very materialistic. Like yeah. oh, you get a book, you get a job, you get a car, and when you get to that, I think that was a conscious uh, criticism that. Zemeckis and Gale took to heart when they did two and three because they were filmed back to back, kind of Pirates and Matrix style. Mm-hmm. And they released a year apart. Um, you get to three, and they both leave the future uh, less defined, and they also be, have it more about like try your hardest, shape your own future, and and take credit in that. Like uh, Doc doesn't show up to tell Marty. Marty. <laughs> Doc doesn't show up to tell Marty about all this anymore because he's just like let's just live our lives. And that's a mm-hmm. more inspirational kind of thing. And but I was going to say one of the most other most famous things of trivia about this is that because they ca- recast Jennifer, uh, the opening scene of Back to the Future is a line for line. They just reshot the ending of one, and you can kind of. It's funny for me watching them back to back because the Jennifers look very similar. I might not even have noticed if you if I didn't know that. But uh, mm-hmm. Marty and her have very different haircuts. Like Mar- like Michael J. Fox drew their his hair out a bit for two and three. Yeah. So that's just a fun, fun little thing there. That is interesting. You can maybe use the time travel aspects of it. I mean, not for his hair, but for the Jennifer's looking different. You could just use that. I think if, if she showed up and it was the different actress, well, that's the problem. At the end, that would still work. <laughs> that's a problem is that the original, uh, they shot it with the original actress. So it's kind of, they were kind of forced to make that. I will say, uh, when you know that about Chris Glover's recasting, it makes it really obvious how they're just, they don't want to show George in anything but far shots. Um, and it's most, I got to me at the end cause there's, st- when they're recreating the first movie, cause they're still doing close-ups with Lorraine and that makes, kind of gives a dissonance. I'm like, either don't do those close-ups of anybody or just do a close-up and we can get used, we, we can accept that's a different Jennifer, we can accept that's a different George. Like it's, they, it's yeah. like they didn't have faith in their audience. Although it's something that as a kid, I never noticed when I would watch No, that's the thing. If you're a kid yeah. who doesn't know, you probably would. Maybe an adult too. Like that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so this is the biggest thing, and this is where this is where I again I have to state I love Back to the Future too, but we need to talk about the fact that this does not make any sense. Yeah, I so. I like all three of these movies, but I'll say <laughs> right now I think two is both the most ambitious and the one that works leads for me on a story level because it crams in so much compared to the others. Like this is yeah. the one that goes whole hog with time travel. Like every act is a different movie. And uh, it's cool for the first two thirds, but when you get to, for me, when you get to the end and you're reusing the first and you have multiple, they just keep prolonging this conflict with the almanac. I'm like, this is exhausting. Just yeah. get us to this cliffhanger. It is a very aggressive cliffhanger. So that's my main problem with two is that I think it's it's overstuffed, but it is good. So yeah, it's a lot of fun, but it is, it's got a lot in it. Um, yeah. But this is, but this is where it starts because this doesn't make any sense because we've already established how time travel works in Back to the Future. You, if you travel to the future, you disappear from the timeline. We oh. saw Einstein travel one minute into the future, right? Yeah. Einstein did not exist in the one minute that he went from the one minute to the next. For him, it was instantaneous. For everybody else, Einstein was gone for one minute, yes. right? Yes. So what happens is Doc Brown gets into a time machine, travels to the distant year of 2015. It comes right back. And then, and then when it arrives in 2015, he spends some time in 2015 and experiences this um, situation with with Marty's kids 
and their relationship and all this stuff, all this stuff that we see in 2015 yeah, in Griff, this movie. Yeah, Griff getting the son arrested. Right. He goes and he sees all of that, then says to himself, I got to fix this. Let me go back in time and get Marnie and Jennifer. Bring him here to help me. They do that. He goes back into 2015 with Marty and Jennifer. Everything that he saw should not be there when they arrive because <laughs> Marty and Jennifer have not existed for all of that time. <laughs> and, and there should be another doc walking around, right? No, no, no. no there's oh. no way to doc because doc is in the time machine too. Okay. If doc, essentially doc arrives in a 2015 version where he was gone for that entire span between the time he leaves and the time he arrives in 2015, there is no doc Brown. Okay. Because Doc Brown has just traveled through the future, which means Doc Brown didn't exist from the from 1985. because oh, he came back. He's coming back and and taking them changed the timeline. It changes the timeline again. Again. So so first time he experiences a timeline of 2015 with no Doc Brown. Then he goes back in time and he discovers uh, a 2015 with no Doc Brown, no Marty, no Real Jennifer. Real quick, do they say if in 2015 Doc is meant to be dead or if he's elsewhere? Like they, I don't think they ever say. What Doc's deal is like outside of time? He doesn't time. exist in 2015. Oh, you mean I guess when you get to end of three, he he doesn't. Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying the way time travel works in Back to the Future, there is no Doc Brown in 2015. There shouldn't be a Marty or Jennifer in 2015 because when they arrive in the future, you you can't exist in the time between then. Yeah, but there's a version of them that has. To that point, that's what I'm saying. It's wrong. I'm saying this movie doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Whoops. whoops. Because the way time travel works in Back to the Future, when he takes Jennifer and Marty to the future, there is no future Jennifer or Marty. They don't exist in the future because they disappeared in 1985. I never came back. And yet there's another one there. It's a separate one. (laughs) Right. That doesn't make any sense. They shouldn't have like, obviously, when Doc, everything that we see does make sense for a Doc that went into the future. Right. Yes. Because essentially they're seeing – Right. And they're seeing what honestly would probably be what Marty and Jennifer's lives are like if Marty didn't have Doc anymore. Because Doc disappeared in 1985, never sees him again. Now we're, you know, several years in the future and this is what his life is like. And that yeah. makes sense, sure, because I think Doc Brown was a really important figure in his life and he just up and disappeared in 85, which he knew he was leaving, obviously. But he doesn't see him again because he leaves, right? Mm-hmm. There is no Doc Brown in the years between him leaving in 1985 and 2015 because that's how time travel works. And then when he goes back in time and says, we got to do something about your kids, picks up Marty and Jennifer and takes them in 2015. They're now should theoretically, and this is why the movie is wrong, be in a world where those people don't exist. Where they vanished. They were not there. Yeah, yeah. And no version of that makes any sense because you can't even say, well, they go back eventually. That doesn't matter because we're time traveling to a time when they're not there because that's how time travel works. You can't go to the future and be in the future. They're not in a timeline yet where they came back to 85, yeah. Right. Let's say, hypothetically, uh, Marty gets goes back in time, picks up George McFly, and drives back to 1985. Oh. None of his family exists. He vanishes. In that timeline. He would vanish. There Right, because, well, and I do think it's kind of weird because I think we kind of establish, and obviously the weird stuff of him disappearing in the first one, but we do kind of establish essentially that that is one thing Marty like, is from a different timeline, so he would still theoretically exist. Yeah, and that is one thing about that I think is just a Back to the Future kind of rule where the effects are gradual, because I haven't used the idea yeah. that, like, he would just be gone like that, but it's gradually like, no, it's like, okay, you're one something that is this, then you, then this, but it adds, it's the, it's the rule of adding a ticking clock to increase tension. Exactly. So that is what's 
That is what's interesting about this movie is right off the bat, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> now, here's what's even funnier. Oh, boy. When we go – so then, obviously, Marty Marty buys the almanac. Okay, well, real uh, quick. Well, yeah. I forget. We got to talk about you know this movie's interpretation of 2015, which is both iconic and very wrong. Um but they, also in some things very close because things, yes. they they were off by one year the Cubs winning the World Series. <laughs> I was gonna bring up uh, yeah, uh, but I also because I, I wrote down like uh, uh, like there I will say also this movie has it must have been the most I said ambitious but probably I'm sure it was the most expensive for the first two, two acts and because uh, they they did a lot, the effects in, in this really hold up. I'm, I'm, Zemeckis has always been, yeah, you know, an eye for effects, you know, it's, you go forward and he's like digitally inserting Tom Hanks and history and Forrest Gump and stuff like that. Uh, and then he did all those mocap movies. Um, but, uh, uh, I just think it's, it's neat how like those hover, those hoverboard scenes still look good. And you've got a ton yeah. of scenes where you've got multiple Michael J. Foxes and, uh, uh, Thomas, what, what's his name? Thomas, not Newman, uh, where you got Biff, uh, they, they, uh, Tom, Thomas Wilson. Wilson, Thomas you've Wilson. got they play multiple characters playing off each other, and there's like slight artifacting there, but it looks really good. Uh, yeah, it's especially and the performances have, are fantastic when you're playing those alternate versions. Yes, because you got really you, there are two scenes where old Biff has to play off first Griff, uh, where like they're running in and out of doors and stuff. I think at one point one of them even like hits each other on the on the head or something because that's old Biff's thing. Uh, and then in in when they're in the car in the fifties, he's trying to you know sell him on the almanac, which I also love how he he convinces him by playing by turning on the radio when it's like is what's going to happen in this game. Uh, and I also got a Griff cracks me up because of his voice, like he's doing this shrill but still deep like batter up. He just sounds psychotic. <laughs> like the, the tenants are just psychotic. It's just going back to Mad Dog. They're 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 dangerous men. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just the twenty fifteen stuff, just. Uh, predicting. Oh, also, I I just love the fact that the fashion is still very eighties inspired in twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, though I do love uh when Griff has his gain, he's got that one girl who's got like the claw and the face paint. Yeah, uh, she looks like something you could see at a concert. I thought it was, and she has that great line. What's the matter? Why you got no scrote? Um, <laughs> but I also love the in joke of uh when they're. I'll get to the technology in a second, but you can notice the Zemeckis and Spielberg in jokes at the thrift store, right? Yeah. There's a Roger Rabbit uh, doll and maybe like a book or VHS. And there yeah. is one of the Jaws movies on VHS, but there's also the Jaws NES game, which is dog shit. <laughs> but really to be good. fair, it did predict that retro games would still be a hot commodity. Um, I've actually been visiting uh, an indie retro game store that opened near my parents' place. If anybody's in Falls Church, Virginia, go check out Superbit. Great guys. Uh, mm-hmm. But in speaking technology, like, yeah, we never got hoverboards. We didn't get self-lation shoes. We didn't get self-drying uh, jackets. Hey, uh, thankfully, though, we did not get the dystopian future where, where, the, uh, where, the, where the Jaws franchise continued to its 18th <laughs> film. Eventually, the shark- they did stop doing that. <laughs> for, revenge was just too much, but the shark yeah. still looked fake. And I didn't catch it while watching the movie, but I know it's read directed by Max Spielberg, which is a joke because that's Spielberg's real life son. Um uh, I, one that really cracked me up, and I had to pause and be like, "Did I just see that?" Is I believe Marty's son goes into a phone booth. Did you Did you notice uh, the phone booth? Oh, hang on, hang on. Uh, did you? Are you there? Also, have in the future something. I just I have it on in the back. What'd you see? Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, what's his name? Uh, Frodo. 
Spacing oh, things. yes, Elijah Wood. That's what Elijah Wood. Yes, Elijah Wood is in this. In the 80s briefly. cafe, yeah, with uh, Wild Gunman, which is kind of I a do niche like, game, but. Well, and the Wild Gunman is also like foreshadowing the third movie. That's true. That's too. true. Yeah. I, I, that's one of my favorite lines in three. A lot of good foreshadowing. Where do you want to shoot like that? 7 Eleven. There's foreshadowing, and then there's callbacks. Like, I was yeah. wondering, I didn't remember Goldie, the mayor. And so yeah. I was like, why, what is the part he play? And then you get him, you know, as a teen having big dreams in the. Uh, and I love the fact that now in this new timeline, Marty's the one who gave him the idea. And I love his delivery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, his 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 son or grandson is in the future. Uh, but I was all, I also wanted to say the thing they got right. Um, I think you cut out when I when I said the thing that made me laugh was that I think Marty's son goes into a phone booth in 2015. Which oh yeah, which nope. Uh, but they did predict uh, what did I write down? Uh, they write there's a there's a reference to oh this is when books used to be on paper. So they predicted books going digital. Yeah. Uh, they predicted voice recognition because the house has stuff that's voice powered, like Siri. Uh, mm-hmm. There, are, some car designs are still very certified, but there's somewhere like there are certain modern sports cars that look like that. So mm-hmm. win some, lose some. Uh, the big one, we do have video phones now. They just aren't stuck to the wall. Yeah, um, I do. I, I do feel bad. They have they have some alternative energy stuff that they kind of. Oh abandoned. yeah, we still don't have Mister Fusion. Uh, yeah. That'd be very helpful for our garbage. Uh, no, I do want to give and the and the people drive, riding the bikes in the cafe. I think help power the cafe. I think. Oh, right? nice. That was my interpretation of it. It could that would make sense. That's something we should that store should strive for, or like Jimmy should strive for. That'd be cool. Um, yeah. But also, just a, a little side thing. I love when we see you know future Marty and he gets roped into what, what's the friend's name Needles when he gets roped into the com, but his his boss is watching. Uh, yeah. I, for anybody who remembers YTMND, I remember before I even saw the movie, there was YTMND was a site where you could upload an image and a sound clip, and the sound clip would just repeat forever, or the image was a GIF. And there was one that was just the boss going, McFly! McFly! And so <laughs> that is the line from Back to the Future 2 that is stuck in my head because it's just that guy's so, like, over the top angry. Yeah. And oh, they they, they assume that fax, fax receipts would still be a thing, the, the your fire sheet. Um, but I want to say in the defense of Zemeckis and Gale, apparently when I was reading up, Bobby Gale said we, we, we didn't, we weren't researching. We weren't trying to do, go by the most scientific, reasonable, feasible, participation feature. We want to have fun with it. And whatever matched up or didn't match up, we weren't concerned with that. I will say the 80s nostalgia, I think works for 2015. Oh, so much. That's been a thing since yeah. the 2000s. That's still, yeah. that's still, that's going to be around for a long time. Um, and, and I will say this is the thing that makes me the most mad because this was the easiest one that they could have done. Uh, I don't understand why Pepsi didn't release Pepsi Perfect in 2015. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at that. Easily like, could have done it. No reason why. That, like, you could have just labeled it. I don't remember that being a thing. So, yeah. Um, I also love the part where they're like, hoverboards don't work on water, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Funny. That, that uh, And he has to, to trick him. Um, but let's see. Also, side note, do you know who played Needles? Both. Uh, uh, I believe it's Flea, right? It's Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Uh, who, if you were talking acting, I associate him with being Donnie on Wild Thornberries. Exactly. That's Flea going, so dude gets around. Um, okay, so uh, do you want to get into the, the dark the dark present with uh, when Biff rules? Yeah, so. I do uh, want to say real quick, uh, do you know about the cut scene, the last scene with old Biff? Uh, when he gets out of the no. DeLorean. Okay. I don't, maybe I do, but go this ahead and is, tell me. I don't know why they cut this because it clears things up and it, maybe it'll tie into 
now you can make an argument in the movie version of movies we have this isn't the what they're going for but when old biff gets out in 80s after he's you know we don't see it uh, yet but that's when he went to the 50s version gave him the almanac to get rich he comes out like all tired and clutching his chest and like hides behind a car and that's last we see of him there's a cut scene where he literally dissolves away from existence because he has changed the future like that version Ooh. of him no longer exists fucked up yeah maybe they thought it was too dark but i mean granted yeah. biff does some dark shit in this but uh you know i i i Biff turns out in, in the future we get to be a better person, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, this is a, a thing where okay, what do, what do you what do you want to start with on the time with this and Biff and the Almanac? Okay, so so basically, uh, Marty buys the Almanac, leaves it in the in the time machine. Old Biff finds it, takes it back to the fifties. Uh, no, no, he, Doc puts it in the trash can, and then Biff steals it because he was spying on them, realizing what was going on, and then taxis and follows them to the. Uh, Doc even says, like, I feel like there's a taxi, like, tailing us. And when they go... Oh, and, so then, he, and then he takes the time machine back. Yes, he figures out how to do okay. the glory and goes back to the 50s, and that's that's his plan. But Marty Marty buying the almanac is what puts this... Yes, yes. Marty kind of takes this... It's Marty's fault. It's just yeah. he didn't know what, how it would spiral. So, uh, so what happens is when... And it's kind of confusing the way this all works. But essentially... They travel, assuming that this is one timeline, which it already doesn't really make too much sense. Um, from 2015, um, first, um, old Biff goes back in time, gives the almanac to young Biff in the 50s, and then t- travels back to 2015. And then uh, immediately after that, um, Doc and uh, Marty go back and Jennifer go back to 1985, which um, is the 1985 of the future from the 50s where uh, Biff had yes. the almanac. Biff changed that. the 50s again, yeah. Yeah. So so then you have this situation where um, basically you have uh, this version of reality where everything's terrible. This, by the way, Back to the Future 2 – hits different in 2020 you... <laughs> in quarantine yeah just everything about the version of 2015 watching over in 2020 from the way how how bad everything is all of like like everything's on fire things are bad you can't go outside because it's not safe donald trump's in charge it's like yeah, basically. it feels so relatable <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah. As like a like called shot from the past. Uh, he has weird. a moment where when he's watching the biography on TV, there's a, like Biff at a press conference going, God bless America. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's yeah. what hit hardest for me. It, yeah, it really does almost feel like they knew that the Trump thing was coming because it, it almost works too well. I, yeah, uh, just go, five years Go ago. vote next month, everyone, by the way. I'll leave it at that. Yes, please go vote. Um, so so anyways, so essentially what uh, – so, so then there's this scene that I really wanted to bring up. Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is what I love about Back to the Future 2 and I, the balls of Back to the Future 2 to do this. And and the fact that they pull it off and it doesn't even really – it's not a plot point that I think people even realize or notice. But essentially what happens is um, this movie does this time travel mistake where it shows you the future. Um, then – uh, explains like it shows you this future that doesn't make any sense. Then halfway through the movie, 
uh, Doc Brown pulls out a chalkboard and explains to you why the first part of the movie didn't make any sense. <laughs> Because yeah. he says of how the timeline works, and he shows it visually. He basically says, this was the original timeline. This got changed. We went back to the changed timeline, which, again, the way things work, if you travel from 20... from 19- Yes. The timeline you came from is inaccessible to you now. Oh, hang on. That is what's interesting. Um, what okay. part? Can you repeat the last sentence? I was just saying the... Um, yeah, you are – you basically – you travel back in time to uh, – if you go to the future, you travel back in time to your own timeline. It just so happens that somebody from that timeline in the future traveled back even further and changed the timeline they were on completely. So the version of 1985 that they tried to go back to didn't exist anymore. Um, right. It's, it's inaccessible to them. Right. And so now they have to go back to the 50s to fix everything. And and this scene just in general, the the, the version of the future where – um, Biff runs on everything. He's, he's been a millionaire since he was a kid. Yeah, yeah 19, 1985. Um, very dark. Very, very, very dark. The schools are shut down. Yeah, again. Strickland is just a shotgun toting maniac. Um, I feel so sad for Lorraine in that scene because he's 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 yeah. Stockholmed her. Oh yeah, it's awful. The whole it's my fault. It's like that's the darkest the series gets to me because that is right. very real and it's like oh that oh, it's, that part oh. the whole everything with that is disturbing. And I I also I want to say that one of the things that I always like uh about the strickland scene because eventually because strickland is like threatening him and he's like he's like no, no no you remember me from the school right and he goes i don't i've never met you before but you look like a slacker to me and he goes oh, yeah. but he's like yeah yeah slacker yeah <laughs> like do yeah. you remember <laughs> yeah it's like it's because i was like marty didn't seem like a slacker and i think that's when you realize no that's what he just calls everybody he doesn't like <laughs> he doesn't like anyone <laughs> uh, oh side yeah. note real quick i do recommend have you ever played the uh, telltale game I uh, have played some of it. I've not finished the game, but yeah, I have started I've also, it. I'm like halfway through it. It's good. It's basically Back to the Future Four, uh, mm-hmm. taking continuing kind of the time travel thing with the big, the main uh, period they revisit being the 20s. So you get to see like a gangster tenant, and I love the idea of like a doc who's Marty's age. Um, and they did get back Christopher Lloyd. They got back one of the Jennifers. They got back Thomas Wilson, and they got an amazing uh, Michael J. Fox impersonator. And then I think he uh, J. Fox even guest stars as another McFly in the finale. But uh point I brought up is that one of the main villains is Church out Strickland has a sister and she's just as a thorn to the side of everybody as, <laughs> as he is. Uh and then and then Marty changed the timeline where she ends up with Doc and creates like a dystopia. So it's just kind of these like, man, just one little thing and you screw things up for everyone. Yeah. So then so then they go back to the fifties, and the interesting thing about going back to the fifties is that you now have this sequence where Marty is in the past it's also weird because it's like marty i believe is still oh no 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 the relationship with george still happened so marty is alive and we and we established that george gets killed but after george gets killed and there's a kind of a lucky they right away like why is the reason like why is there not a marty here if lorraine's living george's dead lorraine's living with her like uh i believe uh biff shipped him out to switzerland Right, so the Marty, so there is a Marty of this version. We of just don't see him. Just and, and oh, and, and this version's doc was institutionalized, maybe by Biff. Right, I don't know. probably, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, so this is uh, that. So that's super interesting. So then they have to go back to uh, events that take place uh, during the events of the first movie, which I think is really cool. It's really fun seeing like these scenes that were happening whilst the other movie was going on. Yes, now cool. you, they are the background, like the stuff that you were starting to miss before is now just the background trapping of another conflict. 
Yeah, it's really cool. And, and I, I like that, uh, how just how, just how well they do everything. And it's yeah. just really interesting. It's, it's another cool. very technically well done thing because there are parts where Marty has to sneak by himself and it blends together yeah. really well. But but we also, in a weird way, so he, so here's, okay, so this is what's interesting about the implications of this movie and this, because again, this is not the Prisoner of Azkaban, Bill and Ted style of time travel. No, Marty, there were not always meant to be two Martys. Right. When we watch the original film, there is not two Martys there. There is only one, right? Right. Uh, because like the other one has screen. He's right. not there. He's not there at all. We we then have this situation where in order to make the timeline that the new timeline, oh, the, there are the two better docs timeline. Too. There are two docs as well. Yeah. Yes. And which again, that didn't happen. The nope. the, the conversation nope. that Doc had with the other doc did not happen during the original film that's, because yeah, that's a great it was not too. Doc is just so scared, but he's just trying to go along with it and like constantly keeping his back going behind the pole and i love the fact that like he even like slipped like maybe we'll meet again in the future or the past and you see past doc like <laughs> off the guy like wait a second what? <laughs> like, and, it's, and it's really it's really great too because doc like marty has a ton of experience with this at this point yeah this is doc's <laughs> doc doesn't and he's he's you can tell he's petrified but Again, but ultimately yes but ultimately the thing that's interesting here is that uh again marty was not there during this time now what is happening in Back to Future 2 is Morty is trying to make it so that the things that original Marty did in the first movie still happen and he can't interfere in that. In the first movie, he goes back to the 50s and interferes in a whole bunch of things and eventually is able to change things for the better. Yeah. Now he's going back in time and has to make sure he doesn't change anything because if he changes something, that affects the version of 1985 that we originally he left. Does so he's change trying what to get happens back to. with Biff that night. That you feel like that should have had some repercussions. And, may, and you know, maybe it did. Maybe, maybe it did. Maybe, not, not not enough to in the main timeline keep him from the the auto mechanic type thing. Yeah. Um. So then. Uh. So then we have Doc. Who? No, we never even go back to 1985 at the end of this movie, right? We're still no. in the 50s. No, yeah, we we I get the cliffhanger. Um, right. yeah. Let me just say, like, because that's my biggest complaint with this movie is where I said how strong the last, the first movie's last act was. This is just like they they just throw too many conflicts at it for me. Like it's like, oh, okay, you they knocked the Oh, now Strickland's got it. Okay, you got it. Oh, now the thugs want to beat him up. Oh, you got there that now Biff wants to run you over, and I'm just like. This movie has, is so jam-packed that by the end, I'm just exhausted. I'm like, you should have just done go back to the past and then have the car chase. Yeah, but it is really cool just, like, seeing the alternate version. It's, ver- it's like, still, yes, it's, there's still a novelty to it. Yeah, it's still it's still fun, but you're right. It, it, they they do have to throw a whole, like, and, and because he's not directly affecting the other plots going on, yeah. it's basically I, just, like, if, around the other If things. I was, had, 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 had him do one thing differently, I would have been, like, scrap the revisits in the, the 50s, set one half in 2015 and the other in the dark the dark present and have and have some stuff there. Um, but do, do you want to get into three or is there anything else you want to say about two? I just want to bring up the ending. Um... Ye, not not necessarily. I I think that I uh, I think I like the the fifty stuff more than you do. But I I uh, like it. It's just it, 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 honestly, I, I, I think I the, the the note that I think that you're right about is I think that they they stretch out the conflict too much at the yeah. end. But I do like running around the background of yeah. uh, of the first movie. I just stuff. think this movie it's fun and it has a lot of great ideas and variety. Especially because I remember as a kid I was like if I had seen I think I saw the original I was like oh they don't actually go to the future oh. and then two is like here you go John. Um, but it's just like, 
it you you're, there it is trying to get through a lot of stuff so it doesn't give as much stuff to breathe and so you're just more exhausted by the end of it than than you are like satisfied with then with the other two. Uh what like uh I would, I will give it it has a great cliffhanger. Um with like you think everything's cleared up then the lightning strike also gets stuck in this in this timeline. And for a brief second Marty's just like are, are you have been stuck? And it's just a great tease where that guy comes up and is like, "Yeah, hey, here's a here's a thing from Doc seventy years that we were meant to." I love how he says we had a bet on whether you'd be here because this just seems so outlandish. Um, yeah, and it's Doc like, "Hey, uh, yeah, I'm seventy years in the past now, and don't worry about." Well, actually, we don't know the whole content of the movie until it's a good. It's a great tease where he now this past Doc meets our current Morty, and this is a different Doc. Uh, who we you know we don't really see after after the end of after the start of the third movie, and that's what I'm saying. The also I will say I think that the only time I've ever seen where a movie ends with the trailer for the sequel. Like, yeah, they legit do a preview of Back to the Future three because they shot them back to back. I'm guessing they were still in post, but they're like let's just focus on these parts. Um, <laughs> I only really see that even when like you know they don't end Lord of the Rings or Matrix two with like here's clips from the other one. It's just it's. A very isolated thing. It's a little trippy. Um, but you get to three. Marvel does that with the Avengers. There was a trailer at the end of that movie for the Avengers. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. Man, I should have thought that. Yeah, my favorite series, Captain America, <laughs> with here's the first teaser for Avengers. Um, but it's, it's not a common thing. That's what I'm saying. Even when they have, you know, they have, even when you know behind the scenes they have footage ready, they're all, 99 times out of 100, they're like, let's wait. Uh, but so yeah, back to feature three. And I'll say first off, um, Maybe the reason I didn't rush to see this when I was in college, and this is shallow of me, but it's also a sign of my my age at the time. As a kid and like a college age thing, I think the idea was that I was just never that interested in westerns, and so the idea that this was ninety percent of western didn't it was a turnoff to me. But now I'm older and stuff like Red Dead and Three Ten to Yuma have like gotten me a bit more. I still haven't seen any Clint Eastwood movies, and we may come back to bring up Clint Eastwood, um, but I, I I'm more attuned to the setting and more like okay you can do cool stuff with this and there's kind of an endearing thing to the quality to it uh it's a very specific time and, and setting and the fact that this, like this movie compared to the other two like well i guess two starts right in it in the future too. but this one gets right to like within 10 minutes you're in the old west and you're staying there to the last 10 minutes like this this is and by sticking it to one setting and one main conflict you've got a story that's a lot more i'd say uh cohesive you there? Yeah, I'm here. I was listening to you. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I was just, okay. uh, I was just saying, you get a, you get a much more cohesive and focused story, and I think it flows better than two. Um, yeah. And uh, so, where do you want to start with? Uh, do you want to start with when Marty is with the with Doc, finding about about it, like his his death and stuff like that, and, and finding the buried DeLorean? Yeah, I, w- I want to talk about the very first part because I the first scene of this movie is so great because it calls back to one of the the best moments. Like, and we didn't talk about this in the first one, but there's a different aspect of it that is important too in the first movie, which is that, um, essentially, not only does Doc, uh, in the future know about, uh, Marty and that he's going to become friends with Marty, right. the other amazing. Oh. As somebody who was. Essentially, like he'd hit his head and he had this idea for time travel. <laughs> that is a and funny this... thing. They just that you got to just got to go with is that Doc had the idea of the flux capacitor snapped into him from hitting his head, and it's like, hey, right. he's smart. Just have to go with it. So, so we, so Marty arrives after he has had that thought because this was the this has happened to be the day that he hit his yeah, head. Yeah, after he's proven to himself that it works. Right. So compared to eighty five. 
But but I, but here's the the thing is in the fifties he has this idea for the flux capacitor and then spends from the fifties to nineteen eighty five trying to create a time machine. Yeah. And then in nineteen eighty five he sends um he's he sends um Einstein to the future one minute knows time travel is possible that he did it right. right. But the cool thing about this alternate timeline that that we create by Marty going back in time is. He basically goes back and says to Doc, "Hey, I know, I know all of that extra research that you didn't have yet. Let me tell this fifty versions of you this." And then the movement, the last shot you see of fifties um, Doc Brown is him celebrating the fact that, like, I did time travel. Like, we did it. I actually yeah. worked. Like, and I saw it happen like with my own dancing eyes. Dancing him on the flame trail. It's really right. endearing. And it's so great. And this movie starts the very first shot is you see him dancing in the in the fire stream, and then they, they and he's like, "Oh, I did it! I sent Marty to the future!" And then Marty comes running from the back. They they technically <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a buzzkill, but it's like because we're not it's that so ever. funny. But it's also I guess they kind of do the same thing as as two where they start with the last scene. Only they I don't think they think they had to recreate it. They can just reuse it because there's no Jennifer to recast. Yeah. Uh, but that, but that part when when he shows up and he's like shaking him, and, and then he turns around and he realizes it's <laughs> yeah. Doc, and he finally faints. Like, it's so good. Yeah, and then he wakes up. I love the the following scene where Marty takes him back to the house, and he wakes up before Marty, and is is he's he kind of like can't remember what happened right after that because of the shock, and he's versus theorizing the temporal displacement, just brought up warps him back to his own house, and then Marty attacks him on the shoulder and like backs him to his piano. I do wonder, and I'm th- I'm thinking about this now. Uh, I have to remember how this movie ends. Uh, oh, I'll, but, I'll, get, I'll get you there. Do you want me to yeah. bring it up about Doc or, or Marty? Well, no, I'm just trying to think like this. So as we talked about the, the events of Back to the Future 2, until the part where Marty shows up and says, Doc, 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 and gets his attention after he sends Marty back in time at the end of Back to the Future 2, up until that point, uh, up until the point where he went back in time or back to 1985, um, Marty was not interacting with anything to so that he did not mess up the timeline when oh, he returned. Right. But my question is, does the Marty or the doc that we meet in, at the end of Back to the Future 1 know about the Marty that came to him immediately afterwards? Yeah. And that he, he sent him sent way back in the past to save him because theoretically that still would have happened, I theoretically, think, in that timeline, right? Marty would have told him everything that happened in 2. Yeah. Well, I guess he wouldn't have known about it in Back to the Future 1, but I it, when it, they returned to 1985, I think that would have made sense, but it's 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 messy here. Yeah. Well, we'll get to the end because we, they come back to 85 where Doc isn't there. So, make that what you will. Um yeah. but uh I this is a they do a really this this works pretty well as a western. Um the sets and and wardrobe I think are really great. Uh again, uh Tom Wilson as Mad Dog does a great job because he has to do it a more gruffer and straight up murderous. Uh, and granted, the dark future Biff was literally a murderer too. Uh, but the Biff we end up with is kind of the best case scenario for him. Where I yeah. love his last scene is that he still has signs of his old asshole self. Because when he sees Marty, he's like, "Wait, who is that?" And then it's, "Oh, Marty!" Like he's just he's become very submissive, but mm-hmm. he, there's still signs of of his rage. Um, and oh, this also has the introduction of Clara and how they they. The, the idea of love can throw a wrench into even Doc's plans. And I will say that I think I don't like that their initial meeting is that movie cliche of like instantly falling in love. Uh, mm-hmm. But I love how 
it totally makes sense later, given that she has a love of science, and especially in a time where science wasn't really that prevalent, but she was a teacher. Uh, and the the through line that we hear in the opening about Jules Verne being Doc's inspiration for science, and then mm-hmm. it turns out she's a fan too, and then there's that call back at the end. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about, like, there's, we have the, the, the replacement, the photo in this that's kind of the, showing the threat is not Marty's family photo, it's the tombstone. Because it changes. Yes. Originally, it's Mark. And that's another thing that I, just, I think about. I like about Marty's character when the moment they realize where oh Copernicus the dog finds the gravestone, and the moment they realize because Doc is telling him, "Dude, leave me here. It's okay. I have a good life, and I don't want to risk risk changing mess, like the timeline more." But the moment they realize Doc dies, like Mad Doc's gonna kill him a week after we go there, Marty's immediately like, "I gotta go back. I gotta help him." Well, now here's okay. So this is what I'm trying. I, I'm starting to like put together things a little bit here. So so this is what's interesting, is that he says he wants to stay in uh, the Old the West, West yeah. not to fuck up the, the timeline, except that uh, should Marty return to 1985 with him in the past still, then he's returning to a 1985 where Doc Brown wasn't there. And there was, yeah, there was never a DeLorean and this whole thing never happened. Right. Which, now again, I... The, the thing about him, like... Uh, disappearing is weird because I feel like we kind of establish like you can exist in an alternate timeline. Like, um, but he did, but he originally didn't exist in uh, eighteen eighty five or whatever. It was. But like, so but like, now. let's say, but let's say Marty doesn't like goes back in time, goes back to nineteen eighty five before he fixes his parents' uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. He would he would still be in 1985. He just wouldn't exist in 1985. But I don't think he would have disappeared. <laughs> and that's what's kind of weird about the first movie. Uh, but in this in this essence, I think this still works. The idea of this picture of a tombstone saying like, as far as we know, Doc Brown is like going to die, so we need to fix that. Yeah. But but again, like if he even if he doesn't get killed shortly after going back in time he is still going to end up in a situation where in that in that 80s there's not going to be a time travel DeLorean there's not going to be a Doc yeah. Brown Marty never would have known him yeah and so that future is already going to be different if Marty it's, goes back to it without I him. don't think anybody well does Jennifer bring him up I think Jennifer is unaffected by the timeline changing because she she faints after seeing her future self and then as they in the middle of two, they drop her off on her porch and is like, she'll still be there when we would fix things. At the end of three, Marty comes and, you know, wakes up and kisses her. She's still remembering. He's like, oh, I had this dream about the future. Like, this Jennifer has well, been that, well, that Well, that Jennifer would have been unconscious from when she was in the future. And, like, she wouldn't have been affected by the time travel, I don't think. Yeah, but but it's very time, kind of confusing. They're in a different time, 1985, than the one they left bad Jennifer in. They left her in the bad fe- the present. And then they come back to the good one, and it's the same Jennifer. That part's crazy. That should be a different Jennifer. Except that the Jennifer that they dropped off was not the alternate 1985 version of Jennifer. It was the original original 1985. So, so she, she just, would be the same. So She, she just, would be the same. She would. But she would just kind of go, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. Well that's, well, that's what's confusing. It's, it's the thing that because she, because like Marty travels from the timelines and still knows things. Yeah. He is not changed. He does not become a different person when he no. arrives in new 1985. Jennifer... Still is original timeline Jennifer, and all of the time travel shenanigans wouldn't affect her because she was still, um, she did. Guess, she never existed in alternate nineteen eighty five. 
Or she, well, well, she might have well, existed. She, she, she existed. There was another Jennifer in alternate 1985. That might not have even been her house because there's the part where Martin right. tries to sneak in his house and gets chased around by the most Samuel Jackson S dad ever. Yeah. <laughs> We're not well, Yeah, but, but she would not have been affected by the different timeline because she was not from that timeline. So when they go back and fix it, then she would she's, be the she's same. in the timeline she's meant to be in is what you're saying right so she but wouldn't have had any a, but it may be a timeline there. where doc never existed so wouldn't she be I, but I, it but it <laughs> is because they come back doc okay. doesn't stay in the past okay yeah well I because think they, if, they, if, they, if 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 they traveled to a 1985 where doc brown had stayed in the old west which we don't see no, because they never go back to 1985. They, after that, they stuff leave it. Let's let's talk the ending because they leave it purposefully vague. What Doc has been up to since? Um, by the way, I do think this whole last act is very sweet because Clara, you know, initially is kind of like done with him when because she thinks he's crazy for saying, "Hey, I'm from Century of the Future." Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, when she hears he's in trouble with with uh, Marty and Mad Dog, uh, uh, she rushes back to him. We get that that great climax on the train. Um, that's another one where even I had I had knew how Back to the Future three ended before I saw it, but I was still like, oh man, are they gonna? Oh jeez, oh no, look out! It's just <laughs> really well done, and I feel like that's another thing. Like two's car chase is lacking that kind of urgency and intimacy because you kind of it's just it's just on the same level. But um, because because of Clara, uh, and you know Marty gives him the hoverboard, and in Doc takes he almost he originally just planned to stay there with her. Like, he's gone from, Mario, don't come and save me, to, okay, let's try and stop Mad Dog from killing me, and let's go home, to, oh, I've fallen in love, I wasn't counting on this, let us let me stay here. And that ultimately still ends up, because he thinks Claire's rejected him, but when she comes back, you see him, you know, they get off the train, because they don't have time to leave the DeLorean, and uh, the DeLorean's destroyed because, after that, because it's on the, the train, so Marty mm-hmm. can't go back to any sort of timeline now. Um, and But then Doc shows up there with him and Jennifer, and... You know, they there's been enough like a decade or so has passed because he's with Claire and they have Jules and Vern and they they he says he came back to this time to pick up Einstein and he decided to also use it to use that time to uh, catch up with Marty, but he keeps it like he doesn't say that's and maybe that ties more into the themes also of because uh, you know Jennifer they can't hide it from her anymore because she kept the facts and she's like it faded no longer says you're fired what does that mean and he this is when Doc is like. It means that future we saw for you is no longer no longer exists, and it's still in your hands. You can shape it how you see fit. Yeah, your future's unwritten. Yeah, and it's that really beautiful, more inspirational kind of the. I love that sort of message. That's like my favorite movie, Iron Giant, ends with two. Not so much time travel, but like you shape it. You don't don't leave it a chance. Don't leave the outside circumstances. Grab your life by the balls and 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 do everything you can to get what you want. Um, and and then you have movies like Coco that that also add the whatever Feel it takes. Feel the rain on your skin. Yeah, uh, whatever it takes. What was that? What was that? Oh, hang on, lag. Uh, I didn't say anything. I okay. didn't say anything. I okay, no, I got you. I got you. Um, but you have movies like Coco that also add the whatever it takes. It's like, but don't do the wrong thing because of that. Because uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil Coco, but there's a character who who used that for greed. Uh, but. Uh, but also going back to yeah, this this also means that the if if that because obviously remember the whole byline with Marty's arc in the sequels with you know the whole being called chicken trigger. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, that's the thing I saw uh, Hayden Member pointing out, one of the flaws of one is that Marty himself doesn't really have an arc. Even though he's set up as having problems in the beginning, he kind of fixes his personal problems by fixing his parents. Two and three is becomes more about how easily he is led on by people trying to taunt him. And at the end with Needles and realizing – Doc tells him what happened. You hurt your hand by hitting the Soul's Royce and that's why you can't do music. And their business, your businessman life doesn't go great because Needles again. And right. he lets him stop being an influence on him and trying to be called out like that. Like this, this isn't worth my time. I, I'm above this. And they still don't all out and out say, oh, now you're going to be a rock star. Now everything's going to be perfect. But it's like you have a shot now. You don't know what happens to you and it's what you make it. And I think that's that's ultimately a really – one, it's it's a cool inverse of the ending that I, that I was talking about that Crispin Glover complained about. Uh, and two, it's just – I think it's thematically really beautiful and satisfying. Like I found myself kind of emotional by the end of this with everything going on with Doc and Marty. It's a, it's a good – you all end up with a good bittersweet farewell because Doc – I thought for sure they were going to say something like see you in the future or the past and – it, they, it's keeping it vague where Doc has been because Mario's saying, like, so where are you headed? To the future? And and Doc's like, I oh, know, already been there. And just leaves. Like, we don't know where Doc is going to go, and, and that's okay. And it kind of feels like, you know, they're, they're, Doc's probably done, maybe done messing with, with time travel, even though he's got, you know, a train. He's just like, let's get Einstein. Let's live our life. I almost feel like what's great for Doc and it almost is what needs to happen is Doc is just going to time travel so much that it doesn't really matter what the implications are at this point. Everything because he comes it, back to is going to be different every make, time. Yeah, let's just try to make the the it so complicated that it doesn't even matter anymore. Because at this point, <laughs> we've taken Mary Steenburgen uh, out of the past. Now yeah. she just lives in, and they just kind of live throughout time. Um, yeah, well, and the going idea by the, that, the wardrobe, yeah. they were still like in old olden times, right, right? Right, right. But they came back to the '80s, and it probably wasn't the first time he used the training. So, uh, but yeah, maybe that's kind of the way you can look at you can if you want to enjoy the movies the most is how to look at like don't don't think too hard about it because then you get infinite timelines and all these Martys that don't exist before and then stop insisting and docs that aren't there and Jennifer's that are sleeping through multiple dimensions and timelines and. Uh, it's the fact that they have, you have, this goes with the, the, you know, the flexible, malleable timeline, but you've got multiple characters in different periods, uh, makes it crazy to th- maybe stop and think about it. Uh, but I also can't I deny- think it's, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. you finish your, your thing. Okay. I also can't deny that these are really good movies. <laughs> yeah. They, they're, they're so much fun. I love the, the ultimate message at the end that, that, you know, you, you have optometry. Um, optometrist, you, yes, yeah, yes. You have optometrist over your future. You have you have the ability um, to make things different, change things, um, and you know your future is unwritten. And and just because you saw a version of your future, which I think is a weird way, like uh, something that kind of bums me out about face the Fu- face the music is that there is kind of a little bummer aspect of the. Uh, the fact that the the Bill and Ted timeline is fixed, so oh. every version of the future of themselves that they go and see That's it it. Is, does happen. Like that is going to be their futures, but um, but the idea that everything will ultimately be okay, uh, even through all of that, is good. And I think that it's um, it's it's this message is basically saying like, um, keep at know, it. 
keep at it. Don't discourage yourself. You're going to be able to keep going. And and don't worry if you if, if in the moment you feel like maybe your your life isn't going so great. That, yeah, I, I was going to change in a moment. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, because you compared uh, uh, the bad Biff timeline to now. I'm like, don't don't let that make you give up from trying everything because I'm yeah, I'm still I'm trying voices. I'm still doing my cartoons. I still, you know, might be in a different state uh, within the next couple of years. Like things are bad, but people point out to me like they're not going to they aren't necessarily going to stay that way the rest of your life. And it if you give up on opportunities because of that, that's not a good reason to do that. Keep going and have confidence in yourself, your dreams, your capabilities. Same like that's the, that goes into not even time travel, but like uh, that, that's what happens with George too. Marty helped him become the man he was capable of instead of instead of being in in, in his shell the whole time. Uh, there's yeah, some, and, and and I think even right. like decades from now, when when if things are conceivably better, like these are still going to be some timeless ideas, like because it, it, it stuff that can be applied to the self. Yeah, there, there's something that has been that I've been thinking about, especially since I saw Bill and Ted. But but having this whole conversation, and it's, it's one of the reasons why when you asked me about what I wanted to do, I, I was thinking about this time travel notion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was again the message I kind of took away from the end of uh, of mm-hmm. Face the Music is essentially, um, it let's say you time travel to the future because you want to see what the future is going to be like, but that you're going to you're always going to time travel to a future where. Uh, Whatever that that oh, you're cutting out. Uh, won't be there. You're missing from it, and it and it was something that's really. Can you, can you repeat know, the last educator? It's it's uh when you if you go to the future like in Back to the Future, if you if you travel forward, you go to a future where you aren't there. So anything that you did now, any anything that you could have done oh, yeah. in that time is won't count. It, it it erases. So in a weird way. You're kind of hoping to the the thing that I keep thinking to myself, especially as somebody who works with 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 kids and has an optimistic view of the future, even though things aren't super great right now. Right. The thing that I keep telling myself is I can't just, you know, as depressing as it is, if I disconnect and I stop trying to make the world a better place, uh, then we're never going to succeed because in this moment, like. If yeah, I traveled in the past, I'm not. I can't. I can't. I can't go back in time and, and not, fix things. And it's not just the rules. It's, it's you as a person won't 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 change. Exactly. You'll stagnate. Yeah, you just have to do what you can, and if you can, if you can make the world a little bit better, then that's what you got to do. And yeah. that's what I keep trying to to yeah. tell myself. So the moral of Back to the Future is keep going, guys. Keep going. Hang yeah. in there. Um, and obviously, we recommend all three of these movies. As of this recording, they're all on Netflix, and I believe from what I understand, they've kind of been on and off there in the past, so it's possible you might be listening to this a few months or years from now, and they won't be there, but it's Back to the Future. You'll be able to find them streaming somewhere, and you'll probably get DVDs or something or rentals for cheap as well. Uh, mm-hmm. If you haven't seen these, they I'm not going to go as far as say, like, this is all my top films ever or anything, because I know there are many people like that, and I'm like, no, no, no. But uh, these were a lot of fun to watch. It's There's stuff about it that is you know what we talked about in terms of its themes that are timeless there's stuff about like its prediction of the future that's not so timeless but it's funny to look at mm-hmm. uh and there's just a lot of creativity some great a, a pair of great lead characters and even beyond that a very talented cast and and director like these are technically very 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 
competent and impressive movies. And I'm I'm kind of someone who doesn't have the highest opinion of of modern Zemeckis. I kind of feel like story wise, he's yeah, kind of been in a yeah, rut. Me but uh, like I just saw his trailer for he's he's re, you know how his next movie is the remake of The Witches. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a trailer for that. I'm like, this kind of looks like it's playing it safe. And, you know, we still have that original. I mentioned that original Witches in our little meme episode. And I rewatched that on Netflix last month. Uh, that that movie holds up well. So it's kind of like, this doesn't look like you're doing much different other than making the main character black. And maybe, I think it's in the 60s, actually. So I don't know how much it'll play into that thematically. But I'm like, you could do, you'd, you'd be a little more ambitious with it. Uh, but it looks like it'll still be in some effects and stuff. And I feel like maybe that's where his inner strength lies, even when he runs out of ideas for stories. Uh, but if you're looking back at his golden age, like Roger Rabbit is another one that I'd love to do in the show someday. And that's another one that that tie, that marries great storytelling and uh, amazing, like unprecedented at the time, technical uh, work. Like, you got to remember, like, looking at these, looking at his 80s work, like this was a pre-CG time. And it makes sense that he would fall in love with it the same way George Lucas did, but he also that shows his his workmanship that he was yeah. able to do something like this that long ago. Uh, and yeah, his no. older movies, like like you said, I, I'm not the biggest fan of his current stuff, no. but his his run around this time, I think he's one of the best filmmakers we ever had, especially in these classic movies. He's these movies are are iconic and classic and amazing because of how. Uh, how good he was at making movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, he's, he's a really good director. Um, you had him in his that, prime and you had the cast at their prime too. Like just, yeah, and I'm sure there were some talented people on crew, like, and, uh, and same goes for Bob Gale. Cause he's, a, he's the only name they get props at the middle. Like so many of the ideas in this, this was him. This was, this is yeah. his baby as much as it was some X's. And, and this, and, this movie franchise went on to create not only like, you know, like the telltale video game series, yeah. the, uh, the ride at universal yeah, studios, cartoon. the, the cartoon, the um, uh, what was I about to say? Uh, there's a comic there's series an... that I think is also another like idea for a sequel. Yeah. Oh, uh, a Broadway musical. I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. There's. It's. It's currently. I mean, currently in Wait, quotation marks. Wait. I think I saw. I think I saw the a West video End. where the doc from that met Christopher Lloyd in like a little skit. Yes. They. Yes. They did do that, and that's. Uh, uh, he's a very talented person. Nice. Um, and uh, that is in the West End in London, or was. Cool. Uh, it's going to open, I think, when when theater starts running. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things are on hold, but because uh, uh, it was in previews. But but I've heard from some fun things about it, and uh, it's just cool to see how like lasting. I mean, 2015 was like five years ago. That, yeah, and that year was like defined by the fact that this is the year Back to the Future <laughs> takes place in, and and you saw like. Pepsi did release a little bit of Pepsi Perfect. I think they should have just made it. I think they should have just had Pepsi Perfect be a drink that you could buy. It, it should have, they should have just label regular Pepsi Pepsi Perfect for a while. Like well, they, well, I think around that time they were doing this thing where they were putting like vitamins and shit and yeah. Pepsi and Coke. And I was like, you could have, you could have done that called a Pepsi Perfect. You could have released it in a weird bottle and oh, yeah, would have fit for 2015. Yeah, limited um, edition one. But, uh, but – I remember on that day on Back to the Future Day, I got to uh, watch all three of these movies back to back in a movie theater, and it was one oh, nice. cherished memory of mine because uh, it was such a cool thing to do. I could I could see me challenging myself to try and watch these all as one big movie, like maybe even like get some copies and like edit literally edit them together without the credits to be continued. Yeah, you could you could easily splice it. You take yeah. out the opening credits of each one and the and, ending and credits, the last scenes of one and two, together. and then just replace yeah. them with the openings from two and three. That would be cool to watch, and and it would be fun. I mean, it, I think the story works that yes. way. Like I said, you would you would have to get used to a new Jennifer and a new haircut for Marty, but that's 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 fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, a couple of the implications I want to talk about with the third one. Oh boy, uh, you have a similar situation with the Johnny B. Good thing, which is that 
we know Clint Eastwood exists in the future. <laughs> oh, that's another um, thing. I wish they had done in two and made it in all three because there are recurring gags in all three, like Marty being woken up by, like, Mom, I had a dream. That's what our, our yeah. opening was referencing. They they should have had a fake name for him in two, either when he's in the future or when he's in, when he's in 55 again and he has to talk to someone because in the first, he's Calvin Klein. In the third, he's Clint Eastwood. Yes. Um, but go ahead. But but we have this weird situation where in the second one, we do see in the second movie a clip from the Clint Eastwood movie where he uses uh, something as essentially a bulletproof vest uh, oh, yeah. in a shootout. And then Marty does that in Back to the Future 3 <laughs> as, uh, ironically that, enough, that goes Clint history? Eastwood. Yeah. So you think the new timelines Clint Eastwood was influenced by the guy who we found out had a name? Because they well, named... it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I and that's okay. the kind of thing I One don't know how much out, it, it, it another, is or isn't. Another thing that changed the name. Remember the the ravine? And originally it's Clayton Ravine because Claire. Oh, that's true. That's Claire true. originally died when she's introduced on her stagecoach, but Doc saves her. And so I think the assumption is uh, Clint Eastwood stole the train and, and it fell off with it because they, they couldn't find his body, so they named it Eastwood Ravine. So it's a landmark in this timeline, and maybe that's how our Clint Eastwood found out about it. Mm-hmm. And there were like local legends about the original Clint Eastwood. Who knows? Yeah, so, Who knows? Yeah, so maybe Clint Build Eastwood gets named after him. Maybe that's a stage name he picks up that he decides to use based on uh, knowing about this old-timey guy in the past. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I could totally see there being legends about this mysterious stranger who like just came in out of nowhere and outsmarted Mad Dog and then went out in a blaze of glory on a train robbery mm-hmm. or something. Now, And then there's one other thing that we yep. have to address, which is, did ZZ Top time travel back, or are they have they always existed? That's right. They're they were like just like a cameo. They're just playing. They're playing at this like old. <laughs> were, were they playing their event? own music or an eighteen eighty five event? Were they playing their own music, like a version of theirs? I believe they are playing as ZZ Top song. Oh, that's yes. okay. It's their it's their ancestors. Yeah. That's that's because that wasn't that was not I don't think that was caused by Marty and, and Doc messing with things. That's no, just, that's just that's just an interesting thing that I always that is, wondered is is that ZZ Top is ZZ Top's relatives? Uh, it's got to be. They be answer. like Highlanders? Are they immortal? Have yeah, they always maybe, been alive? Maybe like, they're you time can travelers. Interpret that a few ways. Maybe they're time travelers. Maybe there are others who we don't know about, and this is the yeah. one time that intersects with us. Yeah, it's, the Back it's a lot the, of fun. It's the Back to the Future cinematic universe. We'll get the ZZ Top spin off any day now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to draw things to a close. Again, thanks to Tara for coming on and talking for holy crap, we've been talking for almost three hours. <laughs> yeah, we got to wrap this up. Movies. But I, <laughs> I want to thank you for coming on for both all like a good a fun critique of these movies and all these all these crazy interpretations. Not even crazy because you're making sense. Um, but uh, again, where can people find you online in projects or social media? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tyler Moliterno. Uh, just my name uh, for October. It's Tara Swift, but usually yep. my name on there is Tyler Swift. Um, I have uh, the Silver Screen Breakdown. I've got Generation Animation. Both of those are shows on the Generation Anim- or, or sorry, are on the Fan Off Network. Uh, both Generation Animation and Silver Screen Breakdown. Uh, you can find on Fan Off, and then uh, Snuffed, my Survivor podcast, which you can go back and listen. We've we've covered I think four seasons of Survivor at this point. The last. Four. So if you ever, if you're somebody who likes to go back and watch the seasons and want to listen along with us talk about it in real time, you can. Or while we're watching Matt Singer this season, you can listen to our episodes as we talk about um, Matt Singer. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So nice. That's uh, basically what I'm doing. 
Awesome. Yeah. I mean, again, if you also, if, if we have newer listeners, go back and listen to our, uh, Avenger, uh, our Avengers Infinity War and Endgame episodes and mm-hmm. our, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe episode. That's what I was saying. Katara was on all three of those. And this, so it was like, I was saying to him, like, let's, let's finally have you on for something besides Marvel because you're, you're into a lot <laughs> yeah. of cool stuff. Um, we still ended up talking about Endgame. Yep. 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 And, uh, and A Man's line, wait, Back to the Future is bullshit? What? He sounds so perfect <laughs> when he says that. Um, but myself, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at behanart, B-E-H-O-N-A-R-T. Uh, I don't post a ton. It's usually drawings or shit posts. But if you like those things, give it a follow. Uh, you can find the show on at, at SketchWatchPlay, and I believe it's Facebook.com slash SketchWatchPlay, where we'll have uh, updates and the like. More so Twitter. I'm not using much Facebook. But uh, And I also, unlike last time, I don't have a guest or topic pinned down just yet. Uh, but that's why I'm saying stay tuned to the social media for uh, – for indicators of when we have more stuff, because I announced uh, this this uh, topic with a picture on the Twitter before we uh, before we recorded like last week. Um, that's going to draw things to a close. Again, Tyler, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. This is something I wanted to talk about for a while. So all right, cross it off. Put it out there. Yeah, cross it off the bucket list. And uh, all I gotta say is, well, Tyler, if you're getting one simple thing, what the hell is that? <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>